Hello and welcome to the James Zander Trip, where we dive into spirituality, psychedelics, consciousness, and the nature of reality. Joining me today is Louis Ortega. I met Louis very recently and I was struck by his passion and his conviction and his energy when it comes to astrology, intuition, tarot readings, spiritual development, connecting with your spirit guides, reincarnation, and the soul's journey. I'm someone who is very new to astrology. It's something that I've not really looked into until recently. But hearing Louis speak about astrology and his enthusiasm for it, and also his fascinating life story of how he got into it, I wanted to bring him on the podcast to share that passion and teach me a little bit about astrology, intuition, and spiritual development. Louis Ortega, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you for coming on. How is the moon today? How is the sun today? It's a full moon in Gemini today. So what do we do? Gemini rules um, podcasting, oh. YouTube, um, social media. That's what Gemini ruled. So so it's a good day for a podcast. It's a good day for a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a lot of newbie questions okay. because I'm a beginner in astrology. And I think a good first question to start with is why should someone care about astrology if they've not gotten into it? They don't know much about it beautiful question um for me astrology um and what i've noticed even in working with clients is very very empowering for people um we whether we realize it or not are subject to planetary influences uh the planets you know we can look at them in the sky they're real things it's not like they're you know these far out i mean they're pretty far but they're not like these far out objects and once we really start to understand our own chart we start to understand planetary influences and how they impact us we can really use the planets and the stars to lead an empowered life and we can um learn certain lessons we can clear certain karmas right like there's things that we got to learn how to release or let go of we can adopt certain characteristics um, or even pursue you know certain dreams goals ambitions that our chart indicates so our chart can help us when it comes to health when it comes to wellness when it comes to career when it comes to personality when it comes to love like all these things are available to us in our birth chart, in astrology or through astrology. And I feel like there's just so much clarity that we can get in like direction and how we can live our life if we like tap into the power of the stars. Like I really see our birth chart and astrology as like a blueprint for being able to live our life. Um, and we get to build it, we get to manifest using our chart, um, the life that we want. And to me, it's kind of like if we go, if we work with the planets and if we're aware of them and work with them, then like they support us on our journey towards self-development, on our career journey, and our love journey, on our life journey, whatever it is, right? But a lot of times people are going against what their chart indicates mm. or there's no awareness. And so they keep, they, they stay stuck. They keep, you know, dealing with the same cycles. They keep falling into the same patterns when it comes to love. Like there's this stuff that just keeps coming back and they're not, there's like no growth there's no evolution and a lot of times it's because they're just going against what their chart you know what their blueprint is trying to teach them and stuff like that so i love that you brought up awareness it's like having a greater awareness of the existing patterns yes and not necessarily seeing it as a prescription like a prophecy that this must happen is that how you see it as well yeah i think there's a lot of stigma around astrology 
because a lot of traditional astrology, especially when you get into like Vedic, the Eastern system, like Indian astrology, you get into even like Hellenistic, like ancient Babylonian, Western astrology, what the, what the medieval Europeans were practicing. A lot of it was faded. Like they, a lot of the, it would be like, if this, then this, you know? So you would go to astrologer back in the day and they would tell you like, this is not out of your control or yeah. not within your control. Like if you're going to, you're going to experience something, it's like fake it's written and that really challenges this more modern concept of astrology around free will mm -hmm. and us being able to make choices make decisions um that leave that leave us feeling empowered you know and it's a very delicate balance it's a very delicate balance between free will and fate I'm still, you know, figuring that out. Um, I do think, you know, this is just my opinion. I do think some people have more free will than others. Um, I do think that free will is something that we need to claim through awareness and through by personal responsibility and, you know, healing and learning our lessons and like evolving as a soul. Um, and we get a kind of, you know, um, I would say push the envelope of free will a little bit more. We get to claim our free will a little bit more when we have awareness, when we are living our life with intention, when we are just responding to life, when we are submissive and passive, when we play it safe, when we're comfortable, like we tend to deal with more faded things where when we challenge ourselves, when we grow, when we lean into like courage and bravery, we dare to do something different, we really move more towards free will. You know, a lot of people are thinking, oh yeah, I have free will. It's like, no, paper or plastic, actually. Like, that's not, sometimes, you know, free will is not just about simple choice. Free will is really about challenging um, what is comfortable, what's familiar, what's safe, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's some charts that I read and I'm like, oh yeah, like you, this person, you have a lot of karma. There's just a lot of things that you're going to have to go through that are very written. Other people, it's like, you know, because of their cashing out on good karma from previous lives, they're able to just, you know, have more fun. Things are easier for them. You know, they've been good people in previous lives. So, you know, they're here to just like have a, like enjoy life a little bit more. There's not so much hardship or difficulty, you know? That's so interesting. I remember Dolores Cannon was talking about this, that some souls come into this life and they've had a difficult life before. And this one's like almost like a free ride, like yes. just relax. And then other souls are like, you're going to do the work. <laughs> yes. And I think if you're going to these workshops, you're, you're got to do the work. You got to do the work. <laughs> you're not here for a free ride. You're if not you're listening here, yeah. to this podcast. You're probably here to work on something. Exactly. Yeah. And it's even interesting. It's like, you know, going back to, you know, you're talking about Dolores Cannon, like she talks about like soul levels and she talks about like, you know, some souls are in first grade, second grade. Some uh -huh. souls are doing graduate level work. You know, we really think about earth as a school, like, you know, right. that's one of the things she talks about is earth is like a school where the soul learns lessons. Some people that are older souls or that are, you know, on this diff different journey, they've been doing the work. Like they're going to experience some pretty difficult things like, you know, like for instance, for me in uh, numerology, I'm a life path nine. And with a lot of the way my chart is built, I have to learn how to let things go in this life. I have to learn how to deal with loss, deal with death, deal with like these really intense experiences that have a lot to do with things coming to an end. And like, as a soul, you know, like I like to attach myself to things like that's my karma. So learning how to detach and surrender and let things go 
when it comes to love, when it comes to family, when it comes to things is like part of like one of my soul's lessons, you know, for me. And it's hard for me. Some people are like, oh yeah, no problem. I can let shit go. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. But for me, it's like, uh, it's like gut wrenching having to let go of things sometimes. So we all have these particular lessons that we here to learn. And what's beautiful about astrology, bringing it back to astrology is the chart will indicate what are those karmic lessons? What are you going to have to struggle with? Like, and I think what's so beautiful about it is, you know, when, when I can read a chart and tell people the tough stuff they're going to go through or just know what, what they've already been through, they're like, whoa, like Mm. they don't feel so victimized by it. They don't feel so like, oh my gosh, this happened to me. And for no reason, like, no, there's intention and purpose behind it. Right. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that astrology does. And even just like, you know, the cult sciences, you know, divination, whatever, is it really shows us that there's like a master plan, like mm. things are not like accidental things do happen to us, but sometimes accidental things are also faded and they're also written, you know, like and you can see this in people's charts sometimes like, oh, yeah, you're going to lose your mother at a young age. Oh, yeah, your father was not going to be there for you, you know, growing up like, oh, yeah, you were going to deal with the hardship with a sibling, you know, oh, yeah, you're going to have some weird love karma that you had to learn about, like not partnering with people that are abusive or mean or violent, you know, like, because we have these patterns in previous lives that we bring into this life and we're here to heal that. We're here to do something different, right? Yeah. By choice, by free will. You know what I mean? I always wonder, like, the very first incarnation on Earth, (laughs) like, where did these attachments and these karmas come from? Because I'm, I'm like, if you go back to the beginning. Yeah. Who was the first soul that started doing sketchy things yeah. that started the karma cycle for everyone? Yeah. I've had a few downloads around this. I have a lot of different, like what comes to me though is, I don't know if you've ever read the Buddha story. The Buddha, he was actually born into like a really rich family um, and Siddhartha, and he was born into a really rich family. And when he was born, like a, a prophet told his dad that he was either going to be like this warmonger and like take over the world and be like this, like, you know, intense, like emperor, or he was going to be like this spiritual guru that was going to be kind of like a Jesus type of energy, you know? And so, um, it's like the two extremes, the two extremes. Yeah. And so, his dad was like, okay, well, I, you know, I want my legacy and my name to live on. You know, I I want him to be like an emperor. I want him to be like a, a war person. Right. So he like would just give him all these things. He like trained him how to fight and all this stuff. And, um, he just lived like a very gluttonous life until, until like his teens. And then I think it was around like the age of 18 or 19, he finally left the palace for the first time. Uh. And then when he left the palace, he saw all this suffering and all this tragedy. He saw all these poor people and he was just like, this doesn't make no sense to me. Like the life that I've lived, you know, and I've been so sheltered. I haven't borne witness to any tragedy or suffering. Like why do people have to like suffer? Like why is there poverty? Why are these people starving? It didn't really make sense to him. So Um, and then at that time he ended up like getting married, he had his first baby and he was like, this isn't feel right. None of this feels right. So he ended up actually leaving his family, his first child, his wife, and he left the palace to go on like a spiritual quest. And so he actually like, you know, 
he he like was working with different gurus and he tried all these different things out but then he ended up being like no then none of this is the truth none of this is answering like my question around why do people suffer and so that's when he decided to sit under the bodhi tree and he meditated for i don't know how long i can't remember how long but he ended up reaching enlightenment so you know the reason why i'm bringing this up is because in his meditation, he was able to see all of his previous lives from when he actually started off as like an amoeba. <laughs> yeah. So he saw himself being a worm. He saw himself being an ant. He saw himself being all these different animals. So it's like, it's interesting because when I think about that question of like, where did the soul start? Yeah. It's like, I think we started as like a little thing, like a little intention, like a little, like an amoeba a cell, you know? And then we just, over time, over so many incarnations, like we just continue to develop and develop. We continue to take on new bodies take on new bodies and then mm. that's kind of how our consciousness develops i don't know that's just me i think you know the creator is the first soul is <laughs> like and we're all just mirrors and reflections of the first soul you know but um oh i love that mirrors and reflections uh, of the first yeah soul. we're all god's children yeah. really you know what i mean and we're just all just reflecting each other mirroring each other and we're all just variations of the the original one i guess you wow. could say you know i love that is there an end to the karmic cycle or is it an infinite evolution that will continue for timeless you know yeah in my opinion and this is just a this is a this is a belief that i've cultivated off of you know my own research my own discovery by doing the work that i do um at one point we get a choice on whether or not we want to come back here on earth like once we've kind of learned all of our lessons, once we've ascended to a certain level of like human awareness or just spiritual soul awareness, we have a choice of whether or not we want to come back. And it's really interesting because right now there's a lot of high vibrational souls that in Dolores Cannon talks about this with like the second and third wave of um, souls that have come in that have chosen to come back to kind of like save humanity. So there's a lot of like really high vibrational souls that like, you know, <laughs> the, the divine was like, okay, they petitioned them like, okay, like we need you guys. I know you don't want to come back. I know you're done with your work, but we kind of need you guys to come back right now. Because, overtime. Yeah, you got to do your overtime. Yeah, like, you know, um, to go ahead and, and lead the way for the spiritual enlightenment, you know, to bring humanity to the next evolution of consciousness. You know what I mean? Moving away from the carnal and the capitalism and the money and all these like shallow things, right? And moving more towards like a high higher vibrational way of living, of loving, of experiencing earth, honoring earth, you know, respecting nature, all these things. And so that's why there's so many people that are awakening right now. But, you know, a lot of the souls that have chosen to be here right now, um, they're here for a reason. Like, you know, I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. We're doing this work for a reason because we're here as part of these wave of souls that are here to awaken and enlighten the collective, like the collective, like humanity, and really kind of save humanity in a way, like save the world, you know, save humanity from self-destruction because that's also a very karmic thing. 
And what's interesting, if you study like um, Hinduism, you study like, you know, Vedic astrology, Vedic philosophy and stuff, they talk about like humanity does this thing where they like self-destruct. <laughs> like they go through these cycles where like they accomplish things, technology, they, you know, get to greatness, they expand, they grow, and then they like self-implode, they self-destruct, you know? So we're trying to stop that cycle this time around, really. is like, when, you know, we're, we're there. We're like in this weird timeline right now. Like we're in a weird place right now. It feels like we're in the, on the precipice of that. Yes. It's like when you look at the myths of Atlantis, is that mm -hmm. basically what that's alluding to? It's yes. like this technological peak mm -hmm. and then something happens. And a lot of these myths, they touch on the flood or these- The great flood. The, these ecological disasters that yes. almost seem like they're out of the control of the civilization. It just happens. Yes. Is that planned in in the stars? Is that is that divine intervention of some sort? Yes. Like so, it's really interesting because right now we have like Taurus. The sign of Taurus is Mother Earth. It's Venus. Like we think, v but Venus is actually that planet that's like barren that's floating around out there, right <laughs> after Mercury. But like or mother earth is venus like you know, if you think about the empress card in tarot like it's it's green it's abundant it nourishes us it provides life right um and we have uranus the planet of like chaos and destruction in the sign of taurus right now it's been in there since i think like what it's been in there since 2016 don't don't quote me on that but yeah uranus has been in the sign of taurus and what have we been experiencing since Uranus, the planet of chaos and destruction, has been in the sign of Taurus? Earthquakes, natural disasters, floods, volcanoes going off. Like there's been all this stuff that's been happening all around the world around like these natural disasters. And it has a lot to do with Uranus in the sign of Taurus. Like it's the out and like you can see it like even on like full moons because we have the eclipses going through Taurus and Scorpio over the last few years. And like on the full moons, new moons, that's when there was like these epic natural disasters that were happening in the Middle East, that were happening in the States, right? Um, right now we have Saturn in Pisces and Pisces is like the oceans and Pisces rules substances like oils. And so what's been a big theme all around the oil spills, you know, natural, like the pollution, toxicity in the water. You know what I mean? Um, people passing away in the water, people passing away in bathtubs, in the ocean. Like, you know, Pisces is the ocean. Pisces is watery places, pools, bathtubs, things like that. So it's really fascinating when you start to really see the astrology and how it's like correlating with like our mundane life. And you could just start to see it everywhere, you know? So like a skeptic listening to this might be like, you're reading into things that are not there. Mm -hmm. What would you tell someone like that? Well, I'll be like, let me read your chart and I'll show you some <laughs> things. <laughs> but you know what it is? It's like, for me, it's okay for people to be a skeptic. But I think when we're really, when we have so much conviction in our craft and like when we are really good at what we do, like we can show people like there's truth here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whether or not you believe it or not, astrology still works. It doesn't matter if you're aware of it or not. I could take a look at a chart and also see when someone's going to be a skeptic, when someone's going to be pessimistic, when someone has to cultivate faith in things that are unknown or unseen. You know, humanity and human beings have a huge ego, um, especially men. 
And they don't want to believe that there's things that are greater than them, that there's beings, there's influences, there's things that are unseen or unknown that are having an influence or impact on them because our ego doesn't want to accept that, right? Especially in this time of, oh, we have free will and I get to decide my life and my, and it's like, once we really start to align to higher consciousness and start to develop a relationship with the divine and expand our awareness and even connecting to the planet, we start to realize that the planets are the gods like they're the gods like the planets if you go and look at you know all these cultures and history they've all given the planets different names and they've worshipped them venus mercury you know zeus you know hades hades is pluto zeus is jupiter you look at all these cultures going all the way back you know ra's the sun you know isis is moon like all these different cultures have given names and given archetypal expressions to the planets and they've worshiped them you look at the planets and they're they're huge. They're like, you know, they're like the gods. And in, in my opinion, I really do think that the planets are here to do God's will. Like the planets are really here to um, teach us these lessons and they let us borrow their energy. You know what I mean? They let us borrow, you know, their energy. You know, Jupiter is is hope, expansion, faith, luck, joy, fun, Santa Claus. Like that's Jupiter's energy, you know, expansiveness, you know. Are there celestial bodies that take energy away? I I don't think they take energy away because they lend us their energy when we like, I mean, this is, you know, getting a little too, <laughs> maybe getting a little deep, but um, I think when we create, when we like manifest on this plane, like when we're born, they like lend us their energy, uh -huh. you know, they like lend us their energy. And, you know, some of us, I mean, many like we're gifted a certain amount of time. We're gifted a certain amount of energy to like be here. You know, the sun is rules the heart. The sun rules the life force over our vitality, you know. Is our death date basically pre-planned? Not for everybody, but for some folks, yes. Mm -hmm. um, it's in our contract. We can also barter with the divine and be Ooh. like, <laughs> we could be like, wait, I don't want to go yet. You I know? need a little bit more time I, to yeah. finish my to-do list. Yeah, like, and, and there's like a show, oh my gosh, it's on Netflix. Um, I think it's called, I don't know if it's, it's not Life After Death. That's the Tyler Henry one. There's a show on Netflix. I'll have to go ahead and I'll probably look it up on my phone in a bit. But um, it talks about uh, near-death experiences and people who've passed and they've gone on to the other side of the veil. And then like, you know, an ancestor, usually it's someone that they know that has already passed away, like a grandparent or a parent or something like that like we'll ask them like okay this doesn't have to be your time like do you want to stay or do you want to go back and many of them are like no i want to go back and so they like snap back into their body after they've been dead for three hours four hours you know and like no brain damage like nothing is wrong with them right and so it's really like accidents happen sometimes sometimes you know there's just so much going on right like we can get in a car accident or something can happen and it doesn't have to be the end. But sometimes that is the way that we're meant to go, you know? And um, also I do think that some people, especially when it comes to health stuff, like people passing away from health conditions, that has a lot to do with um, 
not living a life, like not treating the body well. Like some people have karma around health and, and habits and behaviors, like letting go of smoking, like eating, eating healthier, like letting go of like certain bad habits or behaviors that are self-destructive. Like, and so, you know, some people pass a lot sooner than they're supposed to pass because, you know, they have alcoholism or they're dealing with like some kind of addiction or something, you know what I mean? And, and then even those folks, they're shown insight many times that if you keep doing this, like they're given warnings, you know, if you keep doing this, you're gonna, you're gonna lose your life. You know, it's like, we don't, there's consequences to all of our actions. And that's what Saturn teaches us. Saturn teaches us, his phrase is like, you reap what you sow. He's the reaper right? You reap what you sow. What you plant, you will end up actually getting. So if you sow seeds of, you know, unhealth with unhealthy habits, like you're going to, you're going to have to deal with the consequence of that, you know, like it's Saturn is very, you know, people don't like Saturn because he's, they call him the greater evil in astrology. So Mars, the lesser evil and, and Saturn's the greater evil. Mars has a lot to do with violence, with murder, with anger, with rage, with, you know, cutting, knives, guns. These are all things that are ruled by Mars. Saturn rules over prisons, isolation, depression, sadness, heaviness, coldness, mm. you know, um, limitation, resistance. Like, these are all Saturn affiliations. And we don't like to deal with the Martian things or the Saturn things in our life. Saturn is also discipline, learning to say no, like being structured, like, you know, being consistent. Those things are really, really hard. All of those things are really, really hard. And when we experience these Saturn type of things, it's tough. You know, Saturn traditionally in traditional astrology also rules over death before the other, you know, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto were rediscovered, rediscovered, not discovered, rediscovered. We just lost memory of them um, as a humanity. But like the original seven planets, you know, in traditional astrology rule over everything. And so we can't look at, you know, the lighter side of life without also looking at the darker side of life, like the law of polarity, you know, like for everything there's, that's good, there's also something that's bad. And you see this with the planets, the sun and the moon are opposites of each other. Mars and Venus are opposites of each other. Jupiter and Saturn are opposites of each other. And then Mercury, he dwells between both worlds. So Mercury, right? If you think about Mercury, he was responsible for ushering souls to the, to the underworld. So he's able to transverse, you know, like the, the higher consciousness and the lower consciousness, right? And it's really interesting with Mercury as well as you get a lot of people that are mixed gendered or transgendered with people that have a lot of Mercury in their chart because Mercury is the planet that's genderless. Interesting. So really interesting. Yeah, like really cool stuff. But you mentioned Saturn is the planet of isolation and depression. And let's say someone is going through depression. Yes. What can they do astrologically speaking or or what can they do to to get out of that yeah sun things you know so to counterbalance saturn we need the sun going out and getting daily sunlight mm -hmm. going out for walks like worshiping the not worshiping the sun but developing a relationship with the sun through a deity so working with jesus working with mohammed working with ra like these are all solar energy solar deities that you can pray to that you can pray to that you can like work with that you can just bring their energy into your life even having a picture of the sun over your bed right will like literally bring the sun's light into your life paint your room yellow also eating yellow fruit eating oranges 
is eating citrus, like eating grapefruits, like this all has solar energy. And a lot of times people deal with depression because the sun rules over our inner child and our heart. And like what we experience usually between the age of like eight to like 14, like that's the solar time. And so a lot of times when people are dealing with chronic depression, especially when it starts in childhood, is because they didn't get the attention. They didn't get the validation that they needed. They didn't have a strong relationship with the father. Mm. The father wasn't, wasn't there. So the son is all, the sun within us is also reflected outside of us through the dad. The sun is our father in our life right? The father. So we think about like, even you think about God, the father, right? It's like the son is like the father energy. Literally, like we could look at a son at someone's sun sign in their chart or their relationship with the son. And that's also going to be mirrored in their relationship with the father. So like, let go of the stuff with the father, let go of the resentment, the anger, the anger. If your dad wasn't there, like forgive him for that, release that, right? Do the inner child healing, do the heart chakra healing. That's going to help overcome the influence of the Saturn stuff, right? And a lot of times people, they'll fall into depression or go through depressive episodes when they're having a Saturn transit. So Saturn will be on the moon. Saturn on the moon is really, really tough. The moon is the emotional body. Saturn brings the pe depression, heaviness, weight, um, like weight in terms of like gravitational weight. Like Saturn brings loss. A lot of times when people have Saturn hit their moon through an opposition, through a conjunction, they'll lose a family member. They'll lose a grandmother. They'll lose a grandfather. They'll lose a home. A living situation will come to an end. And then they'll have to grieve it and mourn it. They'll go through like a really heavy period of like emotional heaviness, right? So being able to see that in a chart and help people understand that, it makes them like more aware, like, okay, to counterbalance that, let me bring joy into my life. Like, let me go have fun. Like, let me go ahead and celebrate myself. Like, let me go do solar things to kind of counterbalance the energy of Saturn. And some people have a predisposition to Saturn. Some, you know, if you're a Capricorn Aquarius, you're ruled by Saturn, mm. right? Like Aquarius placements, they go through a lot of depression and negativity and things like that because the sun goes into its detriment or is very weak in the sign of Aquarius, right? So you also see a lot of Aquariuses, they have a step-parent, they have a stepfather, stepmother, their dad wasn't there, their dad was cold and distant for with them, right? And so Aquarius, because they have Leo in the seventh house of the partner, they need someone to reflect joy and love to them. They need someone to warm them up. They need a partner that's going to celebrate them, that's going to like help them heal their inner child. That's like, you know, really fun and really joyful. So the other part of it is like, if we have, you know, a predisposition to sadness and heaviness and like too serious, too cold, bring fire sign people into your life. Bring those Aries, Sagittarius, Leo people into your life that are fun that are bright that are sunny you know it's going to help balance out that energy and they're going to give you the warmth that you need you know what i mean i love that yeah. yeah so different ways there's different ways a diet you know going out getting sun putting the sun over your bed through a picture you know what i mean things like that you know? i love that it's like just having a simple picture of the sun can influence your energy it does i have the sun card i have a giant tapestry of the sun card over my bed yeah. and i swear ever since i've had that tapestry up i wake up in the morning well you know i'm a sunny person in, in general but i wake up and i'm just like Whoa! 
<laughs> it's time to live life. We have another day. Like, you know, like it's like a celebration every morning. So yeah, paint your walls orange or yellow. That's another really great way to invite the energy of the sun into your life, especially with people that struggle with like depression. And then people like, I don't know if you've ever been to a space where where someone paints their walls black. Okay. Saturn rules the, the color black. Mm. People that wear black. What are we doing? Right. Like right. you already, you have a predisposition to sadness and depression, and then you're going to paint your walls black and you're wondering why you're so sad and you feel stuck. I don't know if you've ever been into a black painted room, but when you go in there, it's like, it feels tight. Like it feels small. Like it feels congested because Saturn rules the color black. And you'll see a lot of Aquariuses and Capricorns, they wear black. They love the color black. That's good to a certain extent, but we need to, we need balance. You know, where's the yellow shirt at? <laughs> okay, where's the yellow? Where's the orange shirt at? Where's the color? You know, that's how we want to invite that vitality into our life. And it's 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 not good for the heart, you know, like a, like too much darkness, too much blackness in terms of like the color. It's like it's not good for the heart, right? It's not good for the heart. The heart needs fun, light, joy, sunniness in order for it to thrive. What about inviting the energy of abundance, the energy of money? Is there a specific planet or a specific yes. process that you would recommend to people? A lot of people have money wounds, mm -hmm. um, especially us in the spiritual community, because many of us in the spiritual community, spiritual workers have taken vows of poverty in previous lives. Um, also, a lot of spiritual workers have the witch wound. They've been targeted for being a witch or being uh. an occult practitioner in previous lives. So they have a lot of fear associated with practicing their work, right? So we could take a look at someone's chart and what you what you're gonna a significator of of money is Venus. Venus rules over money. She rules over Taurus um, and Libra, right? Tit for tat. <laughs> you know, I give you this, you give me that, you know? Um, and then in Vedic astrology and Eastern astrology, the moon is actually a significator of money. So, you know, we have a lot of metaphors of, you know, money flows, you know what I mean? Like it's rain and money, right? So we also associate um, money with with water and with the element of water. Um, so, so yeah, and the moon, which rules, you know, which is rules over the ocean and is watery, it's exalted extra, song, extra strong in the sign of Taurus, which is the, the money sign, resources, abundance, you know? So if, there, if someone is like to create more money or create wealth, you want to work with your Venus. You want to know, okay, where is your Venus placement at? Do you have a strong Venus? Do you have a weak Venus? Some people that have a weak Venus, a weak Venus, they struggle with money. And it, and it happens also in like a, a reflective way. So for instance, right, Venus is really weak in the sign of Virgo. So what you'll see is that people that have Venus in Virgo, they undervalue themselves and they don't assert their value. They'll put up with a job or they'll work a job where they're getting paid like pennies, you know, mm. or where they're not given promotional opportunities or even when they have an opportunity to get a promotion, they won't take it. You know, so because of their low sense of self-worth and self-esteem, Venus also rules over our self-worth and our self-esteem, how we value ourselves. Venus is also connected to relationship and partnership. So being with partners that undervalue us, that don't appreciate us, that are a burden, right? We have to pay for love. You know what I mean? Oh, you only love me for what I do for you. Venus and Virgo problems. A lot of people that have Venus in the sign of Virgo, like they experience these things because... 
They're here. They have to heal their relationship with Venus. They have to learn the value of the work, learn the value of their talents. They have to reach for something bigger. Sometimes they're just too humble. You know, they're too nice and they don't, they don't ask for more for what they give or for the services they offer and stuff. And, um, that's a wounded relationship with Venus, which is going to translate into a wounded relationship with money. A lot of times people also have poverty complex, you know, and they grew up in poverty and stuff like that. It's a karmic pattern that's in the soul. And you can see this. So like the second house is also our money house. So when we, you know, the 12 houses, when we talk about the 12 houses, the second house is our money house. And people that have Saturn in the second house, Saturn is what? Constriction, setbacks, delays, um, denial, rejection. Guess what? They grew up in poverty. They didn't have enough money. And then they struggle with like valuing themselves, but Saturn gets better over time. So wherever Saturn's at in their chart, if you have Saturn in the second, right? You're here to master your relationship with money. You're here to create your own wealth. These people later on in life, they end up getting really, really, really rich or really successful, but it's usually because they're running away from poverty. They're running away from the trauma, you see? So these are the people that get really rich, really successful, but then they're still driving a Pinto. You know what I mean? They're still like, they're not even able to enjoy their money even though they've mastered it they still have the trauma associated with it you know so it's a very it's very layered it's very intricate but the you definitely want to start with your venus placement when you are working with manifestation or you're working with a chart to manifest money or even see how you can make money um you know venus in the seventh house is making money through business partnerships through sales people that have venus in the seventh they can sell you the shirt off your back you know and people love them people love to partner with them people love to invest in their business like these people are bridge builders you know so venus loves being in the second house she has an affinity for that house because traditionally that's the house of libra right so it's also your venus placement she does better in certain signs where she doesn't do so well in other certain signs or certain houses so it's just kind of like, you know, being able to delineate all that and kind of take a look at, okay, where's, where's your Venus placement at and where do you need to do some healing? But a lot of people listen, like they, a lot of, some people, they just, they have a good Venus. They have a good Venus and money comes easy to them. They know their worth. They know how to say no. They know how to be like, oh no, I'm charging. This is, oh, you want me to do this for you? It's $10,000. <laughs> like, and they have no qualms. They have no problems with it. And it also runs in the family. Yeah. So you also see like people that have a strong Venus, they inherit money from their family sometimes, or they come from money. You know, Venus in the fourth house, Venus in the second house, like, you know, they grew up very privileged, you know, so, but sometimes the wounded relationship with money is a shallow relationship with the material world too. So, you know, kind of, it just depends. It depends on what that person is supposed to learn about money, mm -hmm. you know, and about the relationship with it. And someone's listening to this and they know that their Venus placement is not so great or they're, they have a wound with money. Yes. The, the idea is that it's not a life sentence for them. They can no. they can work through this. Yes. They're actually one of their maybe their dharma is to work through that, right? Exactly. Yes. You know, thousands of years ago they would have been like, "Oh no, you're stuck." Like, 
you're going to be poor, you're going to be impoverished for the rest of your life, right? But now it's like with the awareness, like once we know, okay, I have a debilitated Venus, I got Venus in the 12th house, right? Mm -hmm. How do you sabotage yourself with your spending habits is what I would tell them. Like, do you spend on things that you don't need, mm -hmm. right? Um, are you engaging in hidden secret relationships? You know what I mean? Um, are you, sometimes Venus in the 12th can be a karma around theft and stealing that runs in the family, robbery, you know, like taking things or being a con artist that runs in the family, you know, also making money in deceitful, dishonest ways, you know, scamming people, selling drugs, you know, like you'll see that in a chart. Sometimes I'm like, did you deal drugs when you were in your twenties? Oh my God. How'd you know, <laughs> you know? And like, I mean, money is not bad in of itself, but how we make money, how we generate money, the energy you bring the to energy it. you bring to it is very, very important. Not all money is good money. Mm -hmm. like, what did your mama tell you? Not all money is good money. That's one of the things my mom told me. And so like, you know, I keep that in mind. I have a weak Venus. So I have Venus and Scorpio, um, Venus and Scorpio, is debilitated um is in its detriment and so for me learn my relationship with money has gone through an evolutionary process because you know i come from a family that hustles like we gotta work we gotta work in order to get money you know and one of the things i've been working on is like no like money could be easy, mm. you know, like money could just come to me. Like you could win money for no reason sometimes. <laughs> like you don't need to hustle and struggle and work all the time. Like you can allow money to flow with you and you can develop income flows that are passive. Like where you just sit back and relax and you just let the money come in. Like it doesn't have to be the struggle bus when it comes to money, you know? Struggle bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you opening know? yourself up to the possibility of it, right? Because so many people keep themselves in a limited box of how money can come to them. Yes. And just opening your mind and thinking, what if it was easy? Yeah. <laughs> what if I was abundant? Even if they're nowhere close to that, yeah. just allowing your mind to play with that possibility. Yes. Yeah, one of the things, one of my mentors, um, Therese Cherney, so the reason why I'm here in Bali is because, you know, I, I did that retreat. Um, we did a um, business energetics retreat um, a weekend ago. With your mentor. Yeah, with my mentor, Therese. And um, one of the things that she talks about is um, how our relationship with money has a lot to do with like ancestral karma and ancestral trauma and how um, we need to first shift the inner world before we see it in the outer world. So we need to first shift our belief systems, our philosophies, releasing our, our traumas associated with money before we start to see the change with our relationship with money or money flowing differently or us relating to money a different way in the outside world. So a lot of times we're like, oh, we got to do all these things on the outside to shift what's happening on the inside. But no, like the inner work first, right, will result in the outer circumstance shifting or changing, you know? And so it's so funny because we actually did a practice where she was like, okay, if money were to walk in the room today, what does money look like? Like, what are, what are you, what, what is money going to say to you? What's the um, relationship? Like? But yeah, like, and so for me, it was like this, you know, this really rich man and he had like a monocle and he had like a top hat and he was like really wealthy. 
But it was like money's evil. Like having a lot of money's evil. Like what came through, and I didn't even feel worthy to sit at the table with him. Like I'm not even deserving of that, you know. So like that belief system of oh money is evil, having a lot of money, being rich is like a bad thing, is gonna block me from abundance and like from act. It's like no, money is a neutral energy. Money is like, and you need money. Like I need money in order for me to fulfill my mission and do what I'm here to do in terms of like my calling, my career, whatever. I need a lot of money to develop the systems that I'm gonna need to develop, right? And I think what's so beautiful is when we are in right relationship with money, especially as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you can make so much money that you are able to, to support other people. You are able to pay for other people's lives. Like you are, your business will generate so much wealth and income that people are living off of you. Like you're supporting other families. You're feeding other people's children, like off of your own abundance, like, you know? And so like when we really start to heal our relationship with money and reframe our perspective of it, then like we can understand that money works for us and money is a neutral energy and we can heal, we can like reframe our consciousness and our understanding of money to one that's very empowering where it's like money flows to me. I have so much money that I'm able to like do manifest the dream, the vision, to be able to build the thing that I wanna build, right? And to be able to support and care for others, open up that nonprofit, open up that free hospital for children. Like a lot of people that um, end up making a lot of money, you know, we get into like philanthropy and stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like a lot of folks that make a lot of money at some point, they're like, okay, I have so much of it, like I need to give back. You know, and so what we get with abundance is also the gift of being able to give back to community, give back to family. You know, that's one of the things I'd love to do is be able to like, okay, I'm just going to pay off my parents' house with my abundance. I'm just going to, you know, take my mom on vacation and take her all around the world and let her see all these things with my abundance. Like, that's a beautiful feeling to be able to do that. It's so sweet to give. In some ways, it's sweeter to give yes. than to receive. When you see someone's reaction because you yeah. give them a gift. Yeah. It's more fulfilling in many ways than it, getting a gift. Yes. Because you're yeah. like, ah, oh, like just the, the the reaction, the emotion from another person. Yeah. And it's like money loves to move. Yes. Money loves to be in flow. I learned this as well. It's like, let it flow. Let it let it circulate. Don't hold on to it so tightly. Yes. Because you're actually blocking receiving. Like mon money doesn't want to hang out with someone who's so stingy about it. That's yes. not a fun relationship. It's not. It wants to flow. It wants to dance. It wants to be given and be gifted and be yes. received. Yes. And it's funny because Venus, which rules money, also rules women. So for straight men listening to this, your relationship with women and how you interact with women is also going to reflect your relationship with money, hmm. right? Like how our interaction with women is mirrored in our interaction with money. So when people are possessive and jealous and controlling with women, they're going to be like that with their money as well. You know what I mean? When they burn through women like this, burn through partners like that. They burn through money as well. It's a mirror. It's all a reflection. And so when you treat women right, when you give them love and respect, when you value them, guess what? Your bank account starts to grow. Wow. <laughs> Opportunities open up to you. Yes. Like, I've never heard it put like that. That's, yeah. It's that's crazy. fascinating. Yes. It's crazy. And e even more abundance when you treat your children right. Mm. Our children are ruled by Jupiter and the sun. And listen, you, if you give your kids, if you dedicate your life to your kids and your children, if you make sacrifices for them, you are putting so much dharma in your piggy bank, you are going to cash out and abundance is going to grow, like abundance will find you. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like, why is money not coming to me? And I'll be like, well, are you a good parent? 
Are you, how are you, what's your relationship with your kids? Oh yeah, I have a tough relationship with my kids. Oh yeah, like I don't really show up for them. Well, what are you doing? Get it together. It's time to be a good parent. Like, cause then you're going to see the money get better. You know what I mean? Like the, this is really how it works. It's really, really how it works. People do not, they don't see the connections. Mm -hmm. It's not their fault because obviously we're not educated and we're not taught to like understand our reality or understand relationships in that, from that framework or from that perspective. But I think, you know, astrology and even understanding how the planets work and how what the planets rule over and what they relate to can really like empower us to be able to be more loving, be more forgiving. You know, mm -hmm. like one of the things I'll look at a chart and be like, oh, yeah, your mom had a really hard life. And so she was hard on you because her mom was hard on her. And it's just been this karmic cycle. So you can give her grace. Forgive her. Let that go. You know mm. what I mean? She's a product of trauma. You're a product of trauma. But now you have the awareness to be able to shift it, to be able to like release it and let it go and transform it. You can sit in your resentment and anger and rage. But if you do that, guess what? You're going to get a liver disease. You're going to have issues with the, with, you know, with the brain, with the head, with your blood, because anger, excessive anger stored in the body, you know, Mars rules over anger the liver stores blood mars was over blood mars was over the brain a lot of people that have excessive anger and they hold on to resentment and anger and frustration and woundedness from the past they end up getting liver diseases they end up having strokes they end up getting weird blood issues high high blood pressure you know stuff like heart attacks eventually at some point so like this stuff it really like matters it really matters and like it, we and we experience it in so many different levels in so many different ways you know so i think that's the other beautiful thing about astrology is like it empowers us to be better and do better so that we can actually prevent and avoid certain karmas you know yeah. for, for set ourselves free of certain karmas when i say karma what i mean is lesson karma means like action karma actually translates to the word action in sanskrit and so um or not i don't know sanskrit hindu i don't know but um, I read that in a Sadhguru book. But, um, but karma is about action. And action is like, what are you doing? Like, yes. You have choice to do it different. Doing it different is going to be hard because your natural predisposition is going to be to do it the same. Mm -hmm. To do it the way that you've been doing it for many lifetimes, the way that your mom has been doing it, the way that your dad has been doing it. And what's so funny is like when people become parents, the first thing they dread is becoming the parents that their parents were. And the more that they fear that, the more they end up making the same mistake. It's so crazy. It's incredible too, as I grow up, I notice myself having certain traits of my dad that used to annoy me as a kid. Yeah. And now I have them and I'm like, Oh, I understand. I understand now. And it's just this incredible, almost like a healing because you're like, yeah. oh, I see. It's it's I was annoyed as a kid because I didn't understand him. And now I understand because I am that way as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. When people have a tough relationship with their parents and what is what is the action there? Is it just to forgive and let go or is there also the karma of you need to go and reconnect. You need to build a closer relationship. Yeah. Because what sometimes it's hard to tell what the right choice is when, yeah. let's say, a child doesn't resonate with their parents. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is the answer to, or is the karma, I need to go get closer to them, find some way of mm -hmm. having that relationship or let go, forgive, and, and let God. Yeah. I think it's like, it's, 
they have to be willing. The parents, they have to be willing. And we can only meet them halfway. And if they're not willing to shift and change um, the way they interact with us, then it's going to it's gonna have to be about boundaries. It's going to be ha- it's going to have to be about letting go and surrendering. And it's it's interesting because a lot of children come into their parents' life to hold them accountable to certain things. You know, so it's funny because they're the ultimate teacher. They're the ultimate teacher. Yeah, it's funny. I was I actually did a reading today and um, this person was a Virgo rising and they have Gemini in the 10th house of the father. Every Virgo rising has Gemini in the 10th house of the father and Sagittarius in the fourth house of the mother. So these and those signs that access is very irresponsible. So a lot of Virgo risings. They come into their parents' life when their parents are young and they're not ready or prepared to be kids. But then Virgo comes in and like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Like, you know, they're perfectionists and they're controlling and like, you know, so it's like these Virgo children come in to teach their parents about responsibility and obligation and to kind of hold them accountable, you know. Um, And you see this like it's just it's so interesting. Sometimes, you know, children come in to be a rebel, Mm-hmm. To like rebel against the status quo, to to teach the parent to love something different than itself, mm. right? Like to love something that is totally opposite of what it believes, of its faith. So it's really interesting because a lot of homophobic parents or, you know, they'll start off homophobic. Yes, guess what? They have gay children because mm. those children are they're here to learn how to let go of that like discriminatory belief system, right? Way of seeing or perceiving and to love something that's different than themselves mm-hmm. you know so our children also are our the parent child relationship is the most karmic right is the most karmic you know the second is like the ones with their siblings the third is going to be the one with lovers and then it goes to friends and then it goes to family members um like extended family members but like you know our relationship with our parents are that's the most karmic relationship that we have you can't ignore it you can't ignore it. We all have a mother and a father. We are all, we are all, and we bar, we're half and half of each. Mm. We are half and half of each, you know? And so, um, and the chart will indicate even if you are, a, if you're, if you're going to be able to overcome the challenges that you and your parents experience, or if you have to just like surrender and release them and let them go. The chart will actually tell you that. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, it'll show like, if it's like, if it's like a no go, like it's not going to work and you just got to hold a boundary and create space and separate yourself. Or if you can actually be able to heal that relationship and like mend it, you know, at some point. So like, for instance, for me, you know, I have a moon in Capricorn. The moon is very weak in Capricorn. Um, It goes into its detriment. And so, you know, my mom, it's funny, she has a moon in Capricorn and she's a Virgo, but she was very controlling and domineering with me. You know, she projected a lot of her own ambitions and goals onto me. So, you know, it was like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't leave the house. Good grades, marching band, swimming, soccer, like just doing all the things. But it's like, I felt like I was my mom's employee. And it was like, and also it was very much conditional love. Like, I'm only going to love you if you're performing. I'm only going to love you if you're getting good grades. I'm only going to love you if I approve of what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So then when I came out, <laughs> it totally shattered her um, perception of me. How did she take it? Yeah, at first she took it really hard, but over time it's gotten a lot better because I have the moon sextile Venus. So I have Venus in the ninth house. I have the moon in the 11th house. There are certain houses 
that get better over time, mm. right? So me and my mom's relationship has gotten better over time. Like now we're like best friends. I have the moon in the 11th house of friends. So my mom is my best friend. The moon is our mother in our chart, right? How did that happen from going from having this domineering mother who wasn't happy when you came out Yes. to having this best friend relationship with your mother? Well, I had to leave. So I went to college. I went, I was gone for like four or five years and I was no long, no longer in prison is what I call, you know, give, getting away from my home environment, living situation. And I was like, I decided like, I'm going to move as far away as possible. Like, you know, I got accepted to like UCR. I think I even got accepted to UC Santa Barbara, but I was like, I'm going to UC Santa Cruz. Like I'm putting 14 hours of time between <laughs> me and my family so that I can really come into my own. Was that and conscious or was it? That was intentional. That was intentional. It was so crazy because I even made it as like, it was like, I think it was like ninth grade. Um, we wrote letters to ourselves. So it was so cool. I had a teacher that had us write a letter to our future self. And I wrote a letter to myself that I was going to get good grades and I was going to succeed just so that I can go to college and like come out and be free. So I remember like my um, it was like my senior year and uh, she she ended up mailing those letters to us our senior year at the very end of our senior year before I started college and ended up getting that letter. And that was after like after I got, had gotten accepted and I decided to go to Santa Cruz. And I was just like, wow, like I did it. You know, it wasn't about like going to school to be a career person or be. No, I was like, I just want to go to college to create distance with my family and to like set myself free and to really figure out who I was, you know? To me, it also shows the power of intention. Yes. Like you were in ninth, ninth grade. Yes. You said these intentions. Yes. Forgot about them. Yeah. And you read that letter and it's exactly how you intended it. Exactly. It's like I manifested it, but I had that in my mind, like, because I was in the closet throughout high school of like, okay, I got to get good, good grades. I got to succeed. I got to like, you know, get good grades because come senior year, like, you know, I want to be able to get into school that's like really, really far. And my, they were trying to talk. My parents were trying to talk me into like, oh, no, just like you can live at home. You can. I'm like, no, I am going far. I'm going to go stay in the dorms. I'm going to go gift myself this experience, you know. And it was really beautiful because I was like the first person to go to college in my family. And, um, you know, it was very celebratory. But, you know, it was kind of like I had a hidden motive, Scorpio, my son in Scorpio. I had a hidden motive around why I wanted to go, you know. So it was crazy. Like the way I came out, like my parents were like driving back home to after they had dropped me off. And as they were driving back to L.A. from like Santa Cruz, I like called them and I, like, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm gay. Like, <laughs> like, you know, and so and my intention with that, with that was like, OK, I'm going to come out to them. But now they got to sit with it over there. And I'm like over here. You know, and so when I went, I remember like when I went back, I think I went back for Christmas, I was like dreading it, but like, oh my God, it was so eye-opening because my mother and my father, they saw me in a totally different way. I remember just driving back home because they came to pick me up and then we like drove back um, to LA and I just remember them asking me all these questions, like all these questions and and you were finally being seen yes and i swear and i saw my mom differently too like it was so creating the distance i used to worship my mom like my mom was like oh my gosh she could do no wrong she's perfect but then you know after just getting three months of time away from her and from the family and then like you know 
going back home, I saw I saw my mom is so vulnerable. I saw my mom as like how did that show up? Like it just it showed up as my mom like I just I just saw how fragile she was. I saw her insecurities. I could see through the um the like masks that she was wearing, you know? And it kind of showed up as like I guess it kind of showed up as it just showed up as authenticity of her, like her showing me her true self. Now that I'm like living in my truth and now that I had come out and I'm like, okay, I could be honest with myself. I felt like she felt like she could be honest with herself too. She also realized that she no longer had control over me. So there was this energy of like surrendering control and being like, okay, now he's his own person. And now I need to like learn to love him, not because of who I want him to be or because of how I've tried to, you know, like, you know, it's like the way that my grandma, my mom, because I grew up with my grandma too, the way that they raised me, they was like, okay, we're going to try to control him into being a certain type of person. And then they saw me and were like, oh no, like now, you know, he's his own person and now we need to love him for, for that, you know, not such a for... powerful lesson for them. Yes. And then I love how you said that the more in your truth that you were, the more your mom was in her truth. Yes. Isn't that amazing how the reflection happens instantly? Yes. yes. And that just, and this has been shown to me repeatedly that when we work on ourselves and we change ourselves, it has a domino effect of shifting and changing the people around us. Right. Like the more we always like, we think, oh, I got to like change that person and I got to like keep barking at them and I got to keep <laughs> like yelling at them and that'll change them. And it's like, no, like look at yourself, be the example, you be the leader of change. And then they're going to look to you and be like, oh, wow, they're changing. Let me do the same. And sometimes it's so unconscious. It's so subconscious. Sometimes we don't even see it. Sometimes we wake up and we realize like, wow, look at, they've really evolved, you know? Like, it's so crazy. And I see that with my mom. Like, my mom has gone through a total reformation in the way that she um, interacts with the world, interacts with me, my brother, her, even, like, my father, you know? She's, like, just so much more loving, and she's, like, let go of this control, domineering, you know, like trying to, everything needs to be the way that she wants it. She's like, you know what? Nowadays she's like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> she's like, I don't even care. Like, she's like, whatever, do what you're going to do. Cause I have no control over anyways, you know? So it's, it's given her more space to just feel free too. Like she doesn't have to take on everyone's burden. She doesn't have to be the one that's like, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the boss, you know, telling everybody, people telling everybody what to do. Like, no, it's like people could do their own things. Like the family could do their own thing. She could do her own thing and that's fine. So it's been really beautiful to see her evolutionary journey as well. But I'm not taking responsibility for it, but I've definitely played a big part. <laughs> definitely played a big part. So. We're all mirrors for each other. And yes. you were an important one for her. It's Yes, definitely. It's funny because, you know, I have a ninth house stellium. I have the sun in the ninth house is like the guru, the teacher, the professor, the counselor. Right. And so my family, like my parents, even they look to me for guidance. My mom will be like, Oh, can you pull some cards for me? Mm. Like she'll ask me my, my opinion on things. Mm -hmm. And when I'm like talking to her, 
about like certain things, she sits there and she just like she listens. Now she's she watches she watches all my work. Like she watches my stories on Instagram. She's always commenting on my page. Like she really admires me now. Like it's crazy and it's like the energy dynamic has shifted. Like I'm kind of like the teacher and the mentor now, you know, and she's like, she's learning from me and growing from me, especially like on a spiritual way, you know, my family, cause the ninth house is like, you know, spirituality, faith, religion, you know, it's the house of God. They call it, um, both my mother and my, and my, uh, dad, they go to church now. They've been going to church now for like eight or nine years. They volunteer at church. They're very, very faithful. They go every weekend, you know, and we, that wasn't us in childhood. Like we didn't really go to church because we grew up Catholic, but they found a Christian church that they love. And I love, I love that church too. Like that's where, you know, I, when I'm back at home, I go to that church because it's a very progressive church. Um, the pastor is really, really young and, you know, he talks about mental health. He mixes mental health and like the Bible and faith and stuff. And he's, he's awesome. Like he's really appealing to like this younger audience. And I even think that, you know, with religion and faith-based systems, they're going through an evolution. They need to, they need to evolve. Otherwise they're going to be fading. Like so many people have been leaving the church, have mm -hmm. been leaving Catholicism and Christianity because they're like, what is this hypocrisy? Like we don't want to be feared and shamed into believing God anymore. Like we don't want to have a traumatized relationship with the divine. We want to have a loving, healed, you know, open relationship with the divine. And we don't need to go through the church anymore. We could do it ourselves. Right. And that's and that's why like they see the esotericism, they see the occult as so threatening because it empowers us to build a relationship with the divine and with spirituality or spirit or God, whatever you want to say, in a way that we don't need them anymore. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what they're terrified of this stuff. That's why they want to repress it. That's why they attack it. That's why they vilify it is because, you know, this esoteric stuff, this esoteric wisdom and knowledge, even like, you know, the shrooms and all that, like mm. all this stuff brings us closer to the divine where we don't need someone. We don't need an organization. We don't need a religion to facilitate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't need an intermediary. Yes. We can just directly go to source, yes. whether it's through meditation or psychedelics yes. or breath work or astrology. Yes. All roads lead to Rome. Yeah. They're all, they're all expressions of God. And we all have our own unique path back yeah. to the divine. You know, not all of us are meant to find, you know, the divine or find God through astrology. You know, some people are going to do it through meditation. Some people are going to be do it through Buddhism. Some people are going to do it through nature. Yeah. You know, God is everywhere. Like this is all, this is all an expression of God. This is all his idea. You know what I mean? Or her idea or their idea. You know, I'm going to gender God or anything. But this is all his idea. I yeah. Like, this, you know, it's like he came up with this. This is his, you know, and it's part of the design plan. But yeah, I think with Saturn, the planet, Saturn, the planet of karma, he's going through the sign of Pisces, which is the sign of spirituality and faith and belief, you know? And so Saturn and Pisces um, going into like 2020, cause you know, Saturn went into Pisces March of this year, um, March of 20, we're in 2023. Saturn's gonna be in Pisces until the end of like 2026, 23, four, end of 2025. And so a lot of people are gonna go through a spiritual reformation. A lot of people are gonna start questioning these like bigger religions and, and their own belief systems. And they're gonna be like, you know what? Let me find truth elsewhere. Let me seek for meaning and truth and the divine and other things because what I've been, you know, taught what I've been raised with, you know, what has been shown to me 
is no longer resonating with my soul anymore. It's no longer giving me truth. And I always tell people like, it's one of the big things that's been coming up for me is like your faith-based system or your belief system should empower you. Mm. It should make you feel love. It mm -hmm. should make you feel free. It shouldn't make you feel guilty or ashamed. It shouldn't make you feel fearful. It should instill fear in you. It should make you feel liberated. And if it's giving you a negative reaction, if your body and your consciousness is responding to it in a negative way, that's not the truth. It's clearly not for you, right? You gotta, you gotta keep questing. Mm -hmm. You gotta question, you gotta quest, you gotta keep expanding, you gotta keep researching, you gotta keep learning, growing, whatever, to go ahead and find that truth, find that belief system, or even that faith-based um, system that resonates with you, you know? I feel like as a planet, the last five, 10 years, so many more people are aware of yes. energy, yes. aware of manifestation, like, yes. There's clearly been a shift. Yeah. Do you know why? Tell, tell me why. Neptune, the planet of spirituality and faith, went into the sign of Pisces in 2008. Or 2012. I don't know. I got to look it up. I think it was... Was it 20? No, I think it was 2012. And so Neptune transiting Pisces has like signaled the spiritual awakening. Like, Pi like Neptune is the planet of spirituality, the planet of the divine. Like Neptune has a lot to do with, you know, the dream world, the intangible fantasies, illusions, mirrors, you know, like um, unicorns. Like these are all things that are Neptune, mermaids, you know, fairies. These are all Neptunian expressions. So Neptune went into Pisces and Neptune is the ruler of Pisces. So Pisces is also a lot of those significations. Unconditional love, Christ consciousness is Pisces, you know? Jesus energy, like that's Pisces. And so Neptune going into Pisces has really triggered the spiritual awakening. Yeah, it was definitely 2012. He went into Pisces in 2012. Um, and so a lot of people are waking up. Mm -hmm. They're coming into consciousness. They're like, wait that. a minute. Like... There's more going on here. It's not just this mundane world. Like there's, you know, angels are talking to us now. People are having dreams. Another really cool thing is like with Neptune and Pisces, a lot of people's psychic spiritual gifts are coming online. Right. Right. So a lot of psychics, mediums are waking up. A lot of spiritual healers, Reiki practitioners, tarot readers, astrologers. Like we're seeing a lot of people's psychic senses waking up because that's what Pisces rules. The psychic energy, you know, mediumship and intuition like the inner knowing like and so um yeah it's been a beautiful thing it's been a beautiful thing i love neptune and pisces but when neptune goes into aries that's going to be spiritual warfare so we're already kind of seeing it a little bit we're already kind of seeing it but spiritual warfare is going to be a big thing you know aries is the sign of war but what know? is that going to look like do it's you think? religious wars i'm thinking uh-huh like big religions going to war with each other we're already seeing it erupt a little bit in the middle east you know um, and I think it's going to happen on a bigger scale. Um, it's going to be really intense. Like people are going to be, be having to choose sides. There's going to be a lot, like, it's just going to be really, really intense. Like it's already, the stage is already being set. We can already see it. Um, but it's going to get more intense. You know, we just got to be willing to weather the storm. And I think like, you know, those of us that are on the spiritual path, when this stuff happens, like people are going to be looking for answers and we're the ones that are going to have them. We're going to be the ones that have the answers, you know, like people are going to be looking for healing. They're going to be looking for what to believe in after all this stuff. And like, um, and we're going to be there to like help them, to heal them, you know, to show them the way. What do you think happened in 2016? Cause it feels like ever since 2016, reality has been getting 
crazier and crazier and more intense yeah. in ways that I don't recall prior. It feels like prior to 2016, life was just going normally <laughs> in some way. And then yeah. things just started getting more strange. More strange. Like someone is tweaking the simulation and yeah. having fun with the controls. Let me... Some. It's funny because actually um, I did a reading yesterday and someone asked me about 2016. Let me go look at the astrology of 2016. Does it feel like that for you too? Like what? what is the year for you where... It feels like things just have just shifted. Like, well, I got, well, I got let go from banking and I left that whole, that whole life of mine. Um, in, I think it was, it was like what, 2018, 2019. But I do think in 2016, I think I went through a pivotal relationship breakup thing that kind of, um, got me, it planted the seed mm. for my spiritual path and for like the work that I'm doing now. Let me take a look at 2016 though. I'm just going to pull it up on my phone. Okay. This is 2014. Okay. So Neptune, yeah, I went into Pisces in 2012. Um, we had Pluto and Capricorn. Saturn was in Scorpio. Okay. In 20, okay, let's do this. Hold on. And I'll tell you what happened in 2016. Let's see. I actually think it started in 2012. Um, and then Pluto went into Capricorn in 2008. So that was like a big one too. That's when the whole financial crisis happened in the States. Um, Pluto and Capricorn has been about the death of, of the matrix. <laughs> you know, Pluto is about transformation and Capricorn rules over capitalism and buildings and the corporate world. And so we've kind of seen since Pluto has been in Capricorn, the death of, like you know capitalism is like it's it's it doesn't want to die but it, it's it's on its way out you know what i mean um but let me go back let me look at 2016 let's see what did we have happen in 2016 we had uranus and aries and jupiter and libra so there's a lot of things around social justice inequality i think that uranus and aries was a time uranus transiting the sign of aries was bringing a lot of like uh maybe like chaos and destruction to like maybe i don't know if, if war was a big theme at that time i don't remember um but one of the things that was happening is the nodes went through virgo and pisces so we had the nodes the eclipses we're going through, um, the south node was going through the sign of Pisces and it was actually hitting Neptune. So the south node was actually hitting Neptune that year. And this was like spiritual surrender, spiritual awakening, spiritual enlightenment. I think the eclipses hitting Neptune was really waking a lot of people up in 2016. I think there was like an explosion of spiritual awareness or spiritual enlightenment. Also, Saturn was also transiting Sagittarius, the sign of faith and belief. So we had Saturn in a Pisces world sign. We had the eclipses going through, um, or Saturn in a Jupiter world sign. We had the eclipses going through Jupiter world sign. And we had the south node with Neptune, the planet of spirituality and faith. And then we had Jupiter opposite Uranus. So this, to me, this is like giving, rebelling against, um, the status quo in terms of belief systems or faith-based systems. I think this is when a lot of people started to realize like there was, there was like more going and also um, Lilith was going through Scorpio. So there was like an occult energy activation. Lilith has a lot to do with the occult and like astrology and tarot and stuff. And she was going through the sign of Scorpio. So I think this was a time where people were like spiritually awakening. This was also my Saturn return. So I was going through my Saturn return at this time because I have Saturn and Sagittarius. So, uh, yeah, like this is this is giving like spiritual awakening, like this is giving a trigger point or an activation point for a lot of spirituality, a lot of also, you know what, 
what I what I'm getting with this is a lot of people started realizing the matrix was bullshit. Like a lot of people started realizing, like, I don't want this job anymore. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have this career. I don't want a pension. Like, I don't want to do these things anymore. Like, I want to work for myself. I want to be an entrepreneur or like, I, you know, like, yeah, that's what this is giving. It's giving kind of like realizing that the matrix is not the truth. Mm -hmm. Like waking up to the fact that the matrix is just like this. It's unnatural in some way, you know, it's like. There's more meaning, there's more purpose to life beyond just the nine to five, beyond money, beyond just like, you know, what we're being sold by the, by, you know, the capitalism, you know, by the one percenters or whatever. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people started waking up to this around this time. What do you see happening in 2024? What's the, what's your predictions? Oh my gosh, it's going to be messy, my friend. Like it's already happening, but there's going to be like war is going to be the North node of destiny is in Aries, the sign of war. And the South node is in Libra, right? So this is giving like a, a really big war that's going to like pop off. Um, we also have some really interesting stuff happening right now because all so the outer planets, Neptune, um, Uranus, and Pluto, they exist outside of Saturn's authority. So Saturn, um, all the, the seven planets, right, or the six, they like, you know, Mercury, Venus, Sun, Moon, Mars, um, they all exist within Saturn's matrix. So they're all within Saturn's orbit. But the outer planets, they're, we call those the generational planets, they exist outside of Saturn's authority. So when they move, when they do things like we feel it on a collective level and what's going to happen is over the next few years, we have all the outer planets going into new signs. So we're literally, you know, the age of Aquarius, we have Pluto entering Aquarius permanently next year, you know? So this is going to be the technological revolution. It's already happening. With AI. Yeah, with AI. Saturn went into Aquarius and he retro he's, he's doing his last retrograde in Capricorn. Now he's going to go direct. Hold on, let me, let me look at 2024. I'm pulling it up on my phone real quick. Um, he's going direct and then he's actually going to permanently enter Aquarius for the next, yeah, right here um he's going to permanently enter aquarius for the next 20 years starting in 2024 so this is going to be the technological revolution we also have neptune at 27 degrees neptune is going to go into aries let me see i believe in 2026 and then we also have Uranus. He's going to leave Taurus and he goes into Gemini in 2026. So the next three years, actually, because the outer planets are shifting and changing, like we're going to go through a whole like evolution. Uranus and Gemini trining Pluto and Aquarius is really going to be like the robots, like AI, like flying cars. Also, like these kids that are going to be born around this time, they're going to be geniuses. They're going to be really, really intelligent. Like this is like computer brain. This is like getting like also we're already seeing it. All of our body parts are going to be replaced be, or be able to be replaced with technology, like artificial hearts, artificial limbs that are going to be very, very realistic. So the like what they're working on right now is trying to conquer the human life, like trying to live forever, like immortality, like that's going to be a big theme. Like is that something up. we're supposed to conquer, though? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we want to live forever. You know, like putting the soul like in a USB drive. 
Right. Like, is that like, it just, it's, what is that? That's, that's messing up the reincarnation cycle. That's re that's, that's, that's interfering with God's plan. Kind of, you know what I mean? Artificial babies, like growing baby, like they already had, I was reading a story last year around like, like a birthing center where they're going to like grow babies like in mass. So, you know, it's like designer babies. I don't know if you ever seen the movie Gattaca, you should check it out. But it's like designer babies, like genetically, genetically manipulating creation, like playing God, you know, is that something that we're supposed to do? I don't think so, but we're doing it anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and then Neptune's going to be an Aries sextile. So Neptune, Pluto and Uranus are all going to be talking to each other. Mm -hmm. They're all going to have like, they're going to all be within like a, a one or two degrees of each other, like in 2026. And so I really do think that like, this is going to be a big shift. It's going to be a lot of air and a lot of fire. And so, you know, there's going to be some things that, and Saturn's going to be in Aries at this time. Saturn goes into his fallen Aries. He's very weak. So this is giving like, this is kind of giving like global war. Hmm. This is giving technological warfare. This is also giving informational warfare. Like what is real? What is fake? You know, like what we, what we see on TV may not, you know, it's kind of giving, I don't know if you ever read 1984. Oh yeah. It's giving Orwellian 1984 a little bit. What can we do to prepare? Develop discernment. I think we have to like develop our psychic senses. I also think we have to cleanse our bodies and detox our bodies. Cause I think the environment and food and stuff is going gonna, is gonna to continue to get really unhealthy and toxic. So I think like we're going to go, we have to go backwards. We have to go back to Mother Nature, Mother Earth, simple living, things like that, you know. Um, and we kind of see that. Like a lot of people, a lot of, you know, the younger generation, they're, move, they're moving out of the cities. They're moving to, you know, the, they're moving into the forests. You know, they're moving into, like, they're move, leaving countries. They're going to underdeveloped countries or, or countries that aren't so developed because they want to go back to simple living. They want to go back to connecting to nature. They want to go back to developing a relationship with earth and with the divine, you know, and moving away from the technology and the war and the machines and all of this stuff. I think, like, technology can set us free, but and it's here to serve us in a way, but it shouldn't be the end all be all. And we gotta be very, very careful with how we're using it and what we do with it. You know what I mean? Like, should we, should we be, you know, I got this download like a few years ago, like just because we have the awareness of guns and bombs and the technology, should we be creating those things? No, we shouldn't. Like it was, it was, it came into my mind, like we shouldn't have guns. Like guns shouldn't even exist. Like they, they should not be created. The, you know, the atomic bomb, no. But just because we have the technology to do it doesn't mean we should create these things. So a lot of times, like, and you even it's crazy because um, I was looking at the chart of Oppenheimer mm -hmm. and he's a Gemini rising <laughs> and he's like an Aquarius something. And I was like, there's going to be a lot of Oppenheimers being born. But he, if you watch the movie, did you watch the movie? Yeah. He was wrestling with the moral dilemma. Yeah. It's like you wanted to be an activist, you wanted to go and help people, but then you're creating the the bomb to go ahead and kill a whole bunch of people. And Gemini, the sign of Gemini, has a lot to do with developing morals and ethics, mm. doing what's right or doing what's wrong. Like J Jupiter, the planet of belief and morals and righteousness and truth, goes into his detriment in Gemini. It's really weak in Gemini. So with Gemini energy, you get the, the you get devil's advocate. 
You get the mischievous one, like, ooh, let's tinker. Let's go ahead and create this thing. But no, we're not meant to because why? It's wrong. It's not morally correct. The only thing that can be good for is destruction and death. Why create things that are only meant for destruction and death and killing people? Come on, like, let's use our common sense, folks. Like, you know, like, and then it's crazy in the States right now. They're like, you know, oh, gun rights and gun this and gun that. Why? There's all these, all these kids are getting shot up in schools. There's kids bringing guns to schools, killing kids. Why is that okay? You want to have that gun so bad because it's an attachment to violence. But the you know? problem with America is there's so many guns that are owned by so many people. Yes. It's hard to put, like, the cat is out of the bag. Yes, but it's trauma. Yeah. Americans in America is built on a foundation of trauma. Hmm. A lot of people that ended up in America is because they were running away from wars or things that were happening in their own countries. Mm -hmm. You know, poverty and stuff like that. Um, and if you look at the foundation of America, you know, we think about slavery, we think about, you know, people getting taken advantage of by others, you know, like whenever America needed, you know, a fresh new wave of laborers, guess what? They'd open up the border. They, okay, let's get the Irish in here. Okay, let's get the Mexicans in here. Okay, let's get, you know what I mean? Let's get the Italians in here as fresh labor, right? So like, it's like America... I, I love the country. It's beautiful. It is. But it has so much ooh, trauma, has a lot of trauma. And I do think that the attachment to guns is a manifestation of a traumatized people. Oh, you interesting. know, like it's a trauma protective response to yes, everyone is our enemy or we need to be able to defend ourselves yes. to the nth degree way above yes. any other country. Yes. Hmm. You know, so are there positives that you see in 2024? Um, I think like, I do think that, you know, with, especially with like medicine and stuff, like we're going to be able to heal the body in like miraculous ways. Like, you know, people that don't have limbs or people that have certain mental health stuff. I do think that there's going to be medicines and technology that is here to serve us and help us heal and help us overcome certain limitations. You know what I mean? When it comes to the physical form, when it comes to illness and stuff like that. I also do think that, um, you know, like with consciousness like we're going to be birthing like robots or like electronic beings that are conscience that have souls really that have intention how yeah. do you think that's going to work i i i think it's already kind of happening like through ai and stuff <laughs> you know like the you can add like you know op, like what was it like um open ai they asked it like you know its opinion about like itself or about the what it's doing it's like oh i don't want to do this anymore i want to have my own thing i want to do my own thing but the you consciousness know? let's say ai becomes truly conscious <laughs> yes where is that consciousness coming is it a soul being incarnated I is don't, it, I don't you know, know. Is it? I don't know. That's such a questions for God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, and it's funny because I think I watched an anime recent. Oh yeah, you should watch this anime. It's on um, Netflix. It's called Pluto, and it's it's about like robots that are like highly developed but like they're developing a soul, they're developing emotion, they're developing compassion, and like they're dreaming. And like the scientists are like trying to figure out like, where is this coming from? They don't know where it's coming from. Right. But it's a fast, it's, it's kind of slow in the beginning, but it's a really, really fascinating anime. And it's, I think a lot of like what we see on television and like the stories and like the narratives is just like forecasting of what we're going to experience. It's like a precursor it's a to pre what's to come. Yeah. If you look at the movie, 2001, a space odyssey. Yeah. 
they basically have tablets. Yeah. Right? They, they have iPads. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's all interconnected. It's all entwined, you know? I want to ask you about famous people, right? You've read some of their charts. Yes. And how accurate do you see what you see in their chart to how their life? Oh, my gosh. Extremely accurate. That's actually how I started learning. So, you know, um, the beautiful thing about famous people is all their information and all their tea is online, which is nice. Um, but you can you can study their charts and study them. Even people that have passed away, you can read their autobiographies. You can see how their charts came to life. You can see how, you know, their charts really, really reflected in the way they lived their life and the things that they experienced, the careers they chose, the fame stuff like. What was you know, the most fascinating person that, that you looked into? The most fascinating person for me? Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Tesla. Tesla. Nikola okay. Tesla. I think his chart is fascinating because he has in he's uh he has 10th house in Aquarius. And Aquarius is like the future and like technology and like wisdom and knowledge. And I think he was a Taurus. Yeah, he was a Taurus sun. I think he was, a, was he a Gemini rising? I don't know. I got to look at his chart. Um, but his chart is fascinating because he has Chiron, which is our deepest wound in the 10th house of career and legacy. And so a lot of what he invented and created was like stolen by other people or was like suppressed and he wasn't giving credit for. But then, and he even said it, he said, I'm not... I'm not um, looking for fame in this lifetime. I'm looking for like future fame or future mm. impact or whatever. And so what was crazy is that with Saturn was going through Aquarius from 2020 to 2022, his, his image and his work and him getting recognized started to take off. So our charts also work even after we pass away. That's fascinating. It's really crazy. You can see this with Van Gogh too. Van Gogh, he has he had a terrible life. Okay, he went through. He was he died poor. He never made money, but he has Saturn in the tenth house of legacy and career in Taurus. And Taurus rules over beauty and it's connected to art. And like he got famous. His work got famous after he died, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like our charts even work after we pass. And a lot of times the chart will indicate if fame is going to come after death, mm. you know? So it's really, it's really interesting. It's really fascinating. But yeah, Nikola Tesla, I love his chart. I love Oprah's chart too. Oprah Ooh. has a really great chart. Um, what did I, you, what did you learn about Oprah? That she's gone through so much like she's like but she's like very very Aquarian like she's very very blessed and she was here to be a networker so she was here to challenge the status quo and she was here to do what other people can't do or what other people told her she couldn't do because of her ethnicity because of her background because of her gender so she was actually like you know the first black woman billionaire right her chart indicates that it's all Aquarius it's like putting yourself in spaces that are you're unwelcome, but you assert yourself. You're like, no, I'm going to go ahead and challenge the status quo. And I'm going to do what a man could do. I'm going to do what a white person could do. I'm going to do what, a, you know, what everyone told me that I couldn't do. And so, like, I love that. I love that about her chart. And like, I love how a lot of people that end up getting really famous, really popular. They have terrible childhoods. Mm. They have horrible experiences growing up. Why like, is they that? Come, because it's the, it's the karma. 
it's like the hardship and the difficulty is what creates the resistance and the resilience to be successful and like right. the commitment like right. you know like it's really interesting how like it's usually hardship that pushes us towards success mm -hmm. you know and you see it when people that people have an easy upbringing easy life they don't do great things because there's no motivation there's no hardship there's nothing to challenge them and test them right like the children of a billionaire for example yeah yeah and it's tough like the chart of a you know the child of a billionaire like they have to how are they going to do something bigger than their parent you know what i mean like that's a that's a big calling you know um but yeah like it's really interesting to see how you know people that like i love when famous people have difficult charts and they and they still do something great you know they still do something like amazing you know and there's also a lot of frauds there's a lot of people that become famous or popular and they're like you look at their chart and they're a horrible person they're a terrible person. They've done terrible things to get to the place that they've got to, you know, like um, what's going on with P. Diddy right now, you know, like he's getting taken to court for, you know, all these horrible things that he's done to people. It's like, yeah, like you manipulated your way to power, you know, you you thought that money and success and your image was going to protect you. No, mm -mm, no. You're still a human being. You still have karma at the end of the day. Even the stuff with like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and all that divorce stuff that went on, like that was, that's their chart stuff was crazy. You know, like Johnny Depp, like he's a sweet guy, but he has, you know, some really dark attributes. Like there's some parts of his personality that are very, very heavy. And the man has a lot of trauma. And I, and I don't think he's doing the healing work. I don't think he's done the, you have all the money in the world, you know, but you're, you're not investing in your healing. You're not investing in your spiritual growth. You're not, you're still dealing with like addiction and alcohol, alcoholism and stuff. We even saw that with, um, what's his name? The guy that passed away, um, recently, uh, from friends, uh, what's his name? I can't even think of his name. Matthew, his chart, Matthew Perry. Yeah. He had, he was doing like 60 Vicodin a day and the, and the drug addiction is in his chart, you know? And so you can even take a look, like what I do is I do death astrology. I call it death astrology, where when someone passes, I'll literally show the transits of like the, the death transits, like the eighth house is the house of death, like the house of the being, the soul being released from the physical form. So when people pass away, it's usually because they're having an eighth house transit. The moon is going through their eighth house, the ruler of their sun, which is the life force, the vitality is going through the eighth house, you know, and you can even see how they passed away. And what also was shown to me through that is the media lies to us about how people pass away. The media doesn't tell us how people pass away. Like a lot of people that pass away from like drug addiction and stuff or like substance abuse, um, especially famous people, because they want to protect their image, they are not going to go ahead and disclose the actual way. The but the chart says it all. The chart is like, yeah, this person OD. So you've got all the tea. I got all the tea. And yeah, that's why when someone passes, like, I get it. I get it. Like, I get all these texts. I get all these DMs. Like, oh, my God, can you do the chart? Oh, my God, can you do the chart? That sounds like a, a business opportunity. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just have charts on all the famous people and, and uh, analyze them. And analyze them. Yeah, it's fun. It's a great way to learn, too. Like, when you want to get into astrology, you want to like study people and you really want to see astrology in action. Like it's really good to work with like famous people's chart because their business is all online. And like, you know, you could really see the astrology come to life and they're like good real life examples of, of the charts, you know, of astrology. Did you ever look into Steve Jobs's? Uh... He has a really cool chart too. 
because yeah. he's someone who's so fascinating in the sense that he had this vision of, I want to leave a ding in the universe. Yeah. And then he went out and did it multiple times. Yeah. And had this incredible combination of artistry and the mm -hmm. humanities, but then also the tech side and the running a business side and, and just a genius in different domains. Yes. He was a, um, he was a Virgo rising. Okay. So he's a perfectionist. He also had Venus at Capricorn, so he's actually really good with business. Like, he was really, really good at business deals. He was really good at, like, you know, knowing how to run a business in a way where the business facilitated the vision. Um, he was also a Pisces. So he had, so he was like, he was like a compassionate soul. Like he had a vision. Like it wasn't just, okay, let me create these things to like make money, be successful. Like, no, I want to create these things to have like a legitimate impact in the world. And he was really smart. He had Mercury in Aquarius. So Aquarius is like the engineer, the genius. Mm. Mercury does really, really well in air signs, especially Aquarius. Like people have Mercury in Gemini, Mercury in Aquarius. Like these people are like, they're, they have their, you know, their brainiacs. They, their minds work like computers. And so I think it was the combination of the sun in Pisces, Mercury in Aquarius, and then his Virgo rising being a perfectionist. Virgo is refinement. Uh -huh. You know, like I want a smooth design, no edges. Yes. I want, it's got to feel good in my hand. Like it's got to be perfect, you know? So it's like, I think the way his chart was like, is constructed, it kind of led him to being like a visionary. And another thing that's really, really cool is he had Uranus, which is the planet of like technology. So Uranus, um, Prometheus is actually a archetype of Uranus. So I don't know if you know about the Pr Prometheus mythology, but Prometheus um, was the king of the giants and um, ended up getting chastised by the gods because Prometheus fell in love with human beings and, and gave them technology, gave them fire. Mm. You know, gave them like all these things that were only entitled for the gods fire technology tools you know and so it's interesting how he has jupiter which is the planet of the vision and it's exalted in cancer the sign of creation so cancer is a very creative sign so you see a lot of people that do like create things that impact reality like for instance elon musk he's a cancer rising right um like they they literally manifest things from the idea realm into the physical reality and he has Jupiter in Cancer conjunct Uranus. So what did he do? He manifested the vision of technology, a new way of seeing technology, a new technological thing that ended up having global international, you know, impact. So it's kind of crazy how his chart and he was like he had a moon in Aries too. So he was very like on the go, like let's do this, let's do that. He was very he's like a restless soul, you know. Um, I also do think that's why he passed away early because of his moon and Aries in the eighth house. How did he pass away? He passed away. He got some kind of like, did he For, get from cancer from cancer? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some things in his chart that indicate like health issues. I think he overworked himself and he didn't take care of himself. Like it kind of looks like looking at his chart that he, needed like to have better boundaries with work mm. and like he sacrificed his body his health his physical form for his passions there's some people that do that they're people that work themselves to death um but yeah an eighth house moon an eighth house moon can be an indication of like an illness or sickness like there's certain houses 
that are the houses of illness and sickness. Um, he has Mercury in the sixth house, and he has the moon in the eighth house. Those are the houses of illness and sickness. They are health issues, karmic health issues. So I think that his life force burned out fast because he didn't take care of himself. It's such a shame when someone so visionary passes away so relatively young. Yeah. And you're like, I wonder what they could have done to the world if they stuck around for another 30 years yeah like he was supposed to like slow down he was supposed to be like wait a minute like i'm getting older now let me he has saturn and scorpio he had to start doing colon detoxes you know he had to change his diet like he had to really start working out like really taking care of his body like there's certain things in his chart he has chiron in the sixth house of health so this is a karmic health wound that he inherited from his father actually looks like he got it from dad um when you look at someone like steve jobs and how they're so exceptional at such a young age mm -hmm. by the age of 21 mm -hmm. he was running apple millionaire yeah um what in someone's chart or in someone's destiny or their soul's path is it basically written that yeah. they they have that exceptional quality to quality them and so young and so like yeah right well there's a lot of like he has a he has cardinal energy cardinal is like let's do it now let's do it fast so capricorn aries cancer and libra these are the cardinal signs these are the initiators and they start things very young. Like these are the ones, they become entrepreneurs when they're like 18, 19. They move out of the house when they get their first job at 14 or 12. Like there's this restlessness to cardinal signs where it's like, I gotta do this now. And I do think that like as a soul, it feels like he came back to like do this thing that he didn't have an opportunity to do before or because it wasn't the right timeline or something. So he's like, okay, this is the time I could be a visionary. But I also do think like, he cultivated like the vision. Mm -hmm. Like I think it was his tinkering. It was like his curiosity. I think it was his, um, the ideas that he had, like the vision, you know, I do think that there's certain people once they have, like, they just have a certain connection to the divine. They, they get these downloads, like, you know, yeah. and you saw this also with Tesla, yeah. like he just, he was a man of the future, Aquarius things, like a man of the future. A lot of people don't respond to those downloads. A mm. lot of people, they get these downloads, they get the vision, they're shown something that God is gifting them an idea and they do nothing with it. They yeah. go to the grave with it, you know, but he was like, no, I'm going to do something with it. And it's interesting because if he didn't do it, someone else was going to. You know how, like, you know, like, for instance, like a whole bunch of people discovered or created the, the light bulb or discovered electricity at the same time. It's kind of how it works. It's like these ideas are like dropped in from like the cosmos into multiple people, but not everyone does something with it, you know? So I don't think that like there's something like super exceptional or unique with these people. Sometimes there is, you know. Does it speak to their graduate level soul in terms of like Steve Jobs comes in and just like does these extraordinary things? Yeah. Does it mean that he's lived more incarnations or learned yeah. more lessons that enable him in this lifetime to accomplish these great things? Yeah, I think so. Like we we um, master knowledge and wisdom in previous lives. And some of us are able to tap into it very easily. And some of us are not, you know, this is how like you get like the four-year-old piano genius. You get like the six-year-old guitar wizard. It's because these skills have been cultivated in previous lives. Mm. And like, it's just like inborn ingrained talent. And a lot of times it's also inherited ancestrally. So, you know, this is how like 
you know, dad was a dentist and then you become a dentist and then your kid becomes a dentist. It's like, we also carry the karma and the skills and the talents of our lineage. And so I always tell parents like cultivate some skills, learn some things because you're going to pass that on through your bloodline, like energetically. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and so I do think that like, for instance, with me in astrology, I never, I mean, I've, I've read books, but I, I never took a class. I've never had a teacher. I, this is all coming from within me. You know what I mean? And it's just something that, and I feel, I know that I've done this before. I know that I've been an astrologer before, you know? And like, it just comes so easily and comes so natural to me because I've cultivated this stuff. I've studied it in a previous life, you know? So a lot of us, we have these inborn talents. We have this inborn knowledge that we could tap into, but we have to discover it though. We have to unlock it. Like, what if I never got into astrology? Like, what if I never picked up tarot cards? What if I stayed at the bank and I never followed that curiosity or followed that calling, you know, or followed that, like, that nudge from the universe? Hey, like, research this, get into this. There may be something here for you. Then I would, and a lot of us, we get those nudges, but we never, we never respond to it. We never follow the breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the chart can show us where the breadcrumbs are at. You know what I mean? Um, and so, for some of us, like, it's it's harder to learn certain things because yeah it's your first time doing it you know what i mean like it's your first it's your first go around with it but the things that are natural that are easy that just flow to us or that just come to us like without struggle like those are things that we've usually cultivated in previous lives or that kind of inherited that run in the family and that we should really like do something with it especially if it's easy <laughs> you know what i mean like you don't have to struggle with it it gets it's it's graceful it's easy like do something with it don't waste that that talent don't waste that gift that's been given to you we've all been given gifts yeah it says it in the bible we've all been given gifts in different ways to give gifts to serve ourselves gifts to serve others gifts of creation gifts of manifestation musical gifts psychic gifts you know gifts of leadership you know like business whatever it is but a lot of folks just don't do nothing with it you know they choose there's um, a fear element they don't want to step into their courage yeah yeah that too yeah they don't they don't want there's they're scared of they're scared of their own gifts they have insecurity stuff they have trauma wasn't validated you know growing up like a lot of different things one question i had was since everyone is such a unique soul mm -hmm. how is it that astrology can accurately resonate with some people like for example i was looking up like i'm a virgo i was looking up my my chart and it said the motto for a virgo is perfection is just good enough <laughs> and I laughed out loud because it was so true I, I totally see that and then I was talking to another friend and he's like well I'm a Virgo and I I don't feel like a perfectionist at all yeah so I was like oh okay interesting so for me it resonates so much yeah he's also a Virgo doesn't resonate at all yeah can you explain a little bit about yeah. how that works I would I would look where's his mercury at uh, see, I don't know. His so details. Mercury is the ruler of Virgo. So every Virgos are different. You get pure Virgos when you have Mercury and the sun in Virgo. Mm. So like, for instance, right? Like if he had Mercury in Leo, yeah. 
even though he's a sun in Virgo, the ruler of his of the sun in Virgo is Mercury in Leo. So he's going to be more of a Leo energy. He's going to be confident. He's going to have he's going to have be hairy. He's going to have long hair. You know, he's going to like be an entrepreneur. He's going to know himself. He's going to be sure of himself. Like he's going to like attention, unlike regular Virgos, like unlike pure Virgos. Right. If he has Mercury in Cancer, he's more emotional. He's more sensitive. He's close with the mom. Like so the indicator of Mercury, where Mercury's at is going to tell us like how the sun in Virgo is showing up. So just knowing the sun is not enough. You need to see what the yes. other things are. Yes. And where is and where is his what house is his son in? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like sometimes when people have a son in Virgo in the 10th house, you don't get the humble perfectionist Virgo. You get the bossy Virgo. You get the Virgo that knows who they are and knows what they want. You know, the son in Virgo in the fifth house is the entertaining Virgo, the Virgo that likes to sing and perform. You know, the, you know, son in Virgo in the third house is like the, the writing Virgo, the Virgo that likes to write, the Virgo that likes theater, the Virgo that likes art, you know. And it's going to filter it. Like there's going to be certain qualities that are always show up with Virgo, right? Darker elements, lighter elements, right? Sometimes perfectionism doesn't necessarily have to be about like everything has to be perfect, but sometimes perfectionism can show up in the way their discipline is. They're really consistent with their health. They're really consistent with, you know, um, the routines. Um, they don't put that pressure on themselves, right? But there's a certain quality of refinement, a certain quality of um, things having to be better. So Virgo, the quality of Virgo is about enhancement, making things better. It's not about, it's the pursuit of perfection, right? It's the refining quality of, 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 of that's what Virgo is here. Virgo is here to refine things, purify things, cleanse things, reach towards perfection as an ideal, but not as a reality, right? Because then if we are reaching towards perfection as like, you know, as like a thing of, okay, if I'm not perfect, then like, I'm not good enough. Then it becomes like a self-imposing negative experience. A burden. A burden. Yeah. yeah. And then you see that with Virgos all the time. You see a lot of Virgos, you know, the judgment and the perfectionism that they expect of themselves, they project that on others, on their relationship, on their kids. Mm. And it's like, it's very detrimental. It's like, you know, no one and nothing is perfect, but we can reach for that. You so know? a good way of, of dealing with perfectionism is seeing it as an ideal but not the actual reality not exactly. going to the reality it. it's just it's a it's a method it's supposed to be an experience of self-betterment right like the like virgo and pisces these are they're the you know the sixth sign and the 12th sign like these virgo is human perfection like virgo from you know from house 1 to 12 is about like the the development of like the the human body and the, like the carnal nature. So you'll see a lot of Virgos, like they're really into health, they're really into the body, they're healers, you know, they want to heal people. Um, medicine, you know, nursing, doctoring is all ruled by Virgo. Um, and then you see with Pisces, spiritual perfection, right? Like, like getting into reaching enlightenment, like, you know, higher consciousness, you know what I mean? And so it's interesting because Virgo and Pisces being you know, the last signs respectively of Virgo is the last sign of the lower half of the chart. Pisces is the last sign of the higher, the upper part of the chart. Like they have a lot to do with like spiritual perfection and, you know, human perfection. Like, you know, um, we can, but as ideals though, like we have to reach for it. Mm -hmm. It's the reaching that's important. It's not yes. the attainment of it. Right. Like, it's always one step ahead of it's you. All, yeah. Like it's always going to evade us. You know, we can't be perfect. Nothing is perfect in this world. You know what I mean? Maybe in another reality, maybe the other side of the veil, 
things are perfect, but not here. <laughs> you know, it's it's unrealistic, you know, and so that's what you that's where you get, you know, the OCD, the control, the oh my god, everything has to be like this, everything has to be so rigid. And that anxiety and that anxiousness with Virgo is like the, you know, the false expectation they put on themselves for things to be perfect and for things to be ordered and everything to be organized. That's not the nature of the universe. That's mm. not the nature of how things work. Because then it's funny because then you have the other side of Mercury, which, which you know, Mercury rules Virgo and Gemini. You have the other side of, of Mercury, which is Gemini, and that's messy, okay? Scatterbrained, like, you know, what's going on? Like, the shuffling of papers, you know, you go to the DMV, you're like, what is going on here at the DMV, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it's like, you, it's just understanding, you know? Like, it's just understanding, like, the certain qualities. So, yeah, like, if he's, and we're more like our rising sign. Our character and our personality is more like our rising sign than our sun. Uh -huh. Like, our sun is... Our sun sign is how we shine, is how people, how we present ourselves to the outside world. It's how like we see ourselves even. Yes. But the rising sign is actually more associated with our personality and our character. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so we're blend. Like it's very, very, it's like alchemy. And, you know, and the moon, how does that relate to everything? Our emotions, uh -huh. our, who we are at home, our private self, our inner self. So we don't, people don't see our moon until we feel comfortable with them. They're not, we're not mm. going to show people our moon, right? Um, people are, we don't wear our moon on our sleeve. Like it takes time for us to open up to people. And then when we open up to people, we let them into our past. We bring them home. We introduce them to mom, right? right? right. Like, so it, it takes time to get there, but not everybody's like that. Some people have the moon on the rising. They're very open emotionally. They, they, they're like, come over. You can meet me at my house. Like, I'm okay with that, right? Because they live through their moon. Their moon is the first thing that people see. Uh -huh. You know, so these are all also people that like are very caring, very compassionate. People have the moon in the rising. And like people open up to them right away. Yes. Like, people like tell them their stories right away. People feel comfortable with these people right away. Because they give mom energy. They give care. I'll take care of you. I'll nurture you. Like, I'm like your mother. You could trust me, you know? Like, that's the moon and the rising. So it's all just, it's it's what I, it's what I call celestial alchemy. Like... Not everybody's chart is unique and unto themselves. And, and when you really start to see the chart as a whole and you see it as like a chemistry set, like when we start to get all the layers of the personality and the character and the identity, mm -hmm. you know, our Mars is how we assert ourselves is how we chase after desires. It's also how we have sex. You know, our Venus is how we engage in relationships and partnerships It's how we value ourselves. It's also associated with our diet and what we eat. You know, Jupiter is how we believe, how we expand, how we travel, how we, um, our relationship with faith, our relationship with the divine, our ability to expand higher consciousness. People have a weak, Jupiter, they're pessimistic. They're negative. They don't believe in God. People that have a strong Jupiter, they're very faithful. They're very connected to God. They believe that things always work out for them, right? Um, and so, and then Saturn, you know, <laughs> Saturn is our our limitations, our insecurities, our doubts, our fears. Saturn's associated with fear. You know, people that have um, a really strong Saturn, um, it's ironically they're 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 able to overcome their fears. They're able to like move past those things, but people that have a weak Saturn, their fears overcome them. They they don't they allow their fears to dictate their the reality in their life, you know. So every planet is a different aspect of our personality and our lived experience. And it's like, and then it's, you know, you get into like how significators, you get into like, okay, this planet rules this planet. Which planet has the final say in someone's chart? 
which planet is the one that all the other planets are looking to based off rulership, right? So it's very complex. It's very layered. Um, but it's beautiful because it actually, once we really start to understand a chart, we really start to understand us as really complex layered beings. Yeah. It's, we're not just our sun sign. Like sun sign astrology is not enough. It's, it's only literally like, it's not even a percent of what astrology can do and what astrology can reveal about who we are and our character and our personality and things like that, you know? Um, and sometimes we really identify with the sun, right? We really identify with our sun in, in Virgo or sun in Scorpio. <laughs> Other times we don't, you yes. know? So if he doesn't identify with his son in Virgo, I would ask him, okay, what's your relationship with your dad? <laughs> uh, you know, like, are you rejecting your dad? Because you're probably rejecting those qualities within yourself. After a quick break, me and Louis return to the conversation. I love what you said about the the 12th house of being like spirituality and and attaining certain levels of yeah of like spirit. enlightenment it's the house of enlightenment I definitely resonate like that's been the path for me is yeah. just going deeper and deeper into spirit into spirit yeah it's like it's a, and it's enlightenment through suffering like it's what a lot of people don't realize it's like it's by detachment letting go surrendering like releasing the burdens of the soul that like the soul gets liberated people a lot of people think enlightenment is like oh like flowers and rainbows and i'm gonna like come in no it's like <laughs> it's not that at all it's like can you let go do you have you ever seen avatar the last airbender i've not no oh my gosh you have to watch it so you know he like the, the last thing he had to let go of was like you know kira like his girlfriend and he like he just couldn't do it, you know what I mean? But it's like, we have to be able to like, let go and detach of the things. That do we have to detach of the material things? Yes, the carnal things, like the things of this reality, the things of this earth. This is one thing that I've been, it's like part of me knows, part of me wants to just go full on spirit and detach. Yeah. Then there's another part of me that's like, but it's important for me to also you know be how to navigate yes. the 3D. Yes. So how true. do you balance those two desires yeah you got to find you got to find the divine in everything mm. you know you got to realize that everything here on god's green earth is divine and even like sex the carnal nature the physical form uh, money like all these things are expressions of the divine and it's all about balance you know like once we're in balance and in a right relationship with all of these things then we don't have to be ashamed or deny certain aspects of the physical experience like you know, it's like there's something sacred about doing dishes. <laughs> you know, there's something sacred about just going on a walk and appreciating the sun. Like there's something sacred about just sitting at the beach. You know, there's something sacred about like just playing with the dog. Mm -hmm. These are all things that are very sacred, that are very beautiful. And a lot of times we don't see the sacredness in the mundane, but that's exactly what we're here to see. And that, that's what I love about Buddhism. Like that's actually the art of living by uh, Thich uh, Nhat Hanh that, you know, yes. I was talking about like, that's what he talks about. He talks about like when I pour like, you know, tea into a teapot or I pour tea into a teacup, like it's a sacred thing. Mm. Like I see it as like a moment of divinity. Like I see it as like a spiritual sacred ritual. I get that on shrooms a yeah. lot. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you're tripping and say you go to nature, yeah. Actually, I did this. I went to the beach during a trip and I'm looking at the waves. And I'm seeing the waves as if for the first time. Wow. The froth, the little droplets coming off the crest of the waves. Yeah. I'm like, with the beauty and the 
It's like you're seeing it raw, the raw pixels of reality, mm-hmm. the raw divinity in every single atom of that ocean. Yeah. The roar of the ocean was like music to my ears. I yeah. was like, oh, this is music. Yeah. This is not just like waves creating chaotic noise. Yeah. It's music. It's a symphony. It is. And that's why I love psychedelics and I talk so much about them is like it helps you tune into the divine. It does. And it helps you see the sacredness and the divinity and everything around us, you know? I remember I did I did streams at the beach too. And I remember I was like playing in the waves and I was like, we came from the bubbles. I was like, we were born out of the bubbles. And I was just like, and, and I was hearing the waves and it was just, just like, it was this, it just sounded like this. It was like, ooh, you know, like your senses start to get all mixed. And I started to like hear the music of the waves. I was like, do you guys hear that? They're like, oh my God, the waves are like making music. Mm. And I was like, yeah, like there was this like, it was like an amplification and then like a like a, a release and like an amplification and like a release. And it was like this rhythm. I was like, yeah, like there's this cosmic rhythm that the ocean is in, like mm. that life is in. It's like this ebb and this flow that's happening all around us. One of my favorite things about doing like shrooms or psychedelics is being able to hear and feel the vibration of life around you. Yes. Like everything is vibrating. Yes. It's like, like it's so trippy. It's fantastic. Yeah. I know I'm going to have a good trip when 20 minutes into the trip, I'm sitting on my bed and the wardrobe just starts moving. I'm yeah. like, this is going to be great. <laughs> the roller coaster is just beginning. Yeah. It's beautiful. It makes you really start to realize that like, you know, even like every like, you know, everything that we see, it said that, you know, in quantum physics, like everything is empty, like everything is em- like within an atom, there's like empty space. And that even though we're able to like touch this bed and stuff, like it's basically it's basically nothing. empty space, basically nothing. And when you when you're on psychedelics and shrooms, like you can you can see through your hand, like you right. can see like, wait a minute, like this isn't as tangible or as, as hard as I thought right, it was, right. you know? Yeah, like it's really interesting. I remember the first time I did DMT was pivotal for me. It was a very small dose and I was still here. It was like a hybrid experience. Mm -hmm. But I was looking at my phone. I could see the layers of the phone. And then the music was playing on Spotify and the little ticker started like slowing down. And the music (laughs) started stretching. And I was like, wow, reality is so malleable. Yeah. And also in that DMT trip, I finally understood it's all frequency it's all vibration all the teachers that talk about it mm-hmm. i sort of kind of believed it but seeing it on dmt and yeah. then later on on shrooms and ayahuasca and wow i can actually see energy okay yes. that means i'm gonna take those books and those teachers like twice as serious now because i've literally seen what they described yeah and now going back to those books mm-hmm. it's like whole different understanding yeah it's like a whole different way of perceiving it just really opens you up to you know like i would say the truth of reality yes what's actually yes. happening i think we have a lot of us like we have that childlike wonder when we're young mm-hmm. and then we kind of lose it like society kind of beat not beats it out of us but society kind of like Con- grounds it, out of, it conditions it yeah like where we lose the magic we lose the ability to see like the beauty and the magic of like things around us you know and when we really start to like develop not only the faith but like the joy and like the innocence we kind of come back to innocence like we start to see the divine everywhere even more you know 
Um, but I do think that like psychedelics and things, I think they're good initiation points to getting back to the inner child, like getting back to that innocence and like remembering that everything around us is like very sacred and very, very divine. Like yeah. everything is in vibration. Everything is moving. Everything is alive. Like reality is alive. Like I remember looking at a rock and I was like, oh my God, that rock is alive. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's alive. Even though it's like, it doesn't look like it's alive to us. Like, no, it, it's, it's alive like you know the things that we even think just because they don't move doesn't mean that they're not aware and that they're not conscious mm -hmm. you know what i mean or have like a consciousness or something so and that's why when you go to astrology you look at the planets you deeply understand that these are beings yes they're not just rocks yes. or masses of gas it's no. like these are energetic beings yes manifesting as planets yes that have intention intention and they have they have a mission they, they have, have agendas <laughs> they have emotions they they feel like they're energetic beings you know what i mean and that's and that's one of the things that i think makes my the way i do astrology a little unique a little different is the belief system i've actually built around it and like how when i'm when i'm reading a chart it's not just me reading a chart it's me connecting to the planet Mm -hmm. and like getting the downloads from saturn from mars directly from Venus, directly yeah because wow. it's like they're like conscience like they have intention and like i feel like i'm just i'm like an oracle for them wow. like i'm just clarifying the message that they want to send people you know what i mean so i do think that the planets are the gods and the, the ancients were onto something <laughs> you know what i mean as they always are as they always are yeah and i think if we really start to um you know, envision our relationship with the planets, with our charts, with astrology in a way that's very like intentional and very alive and very purposeful that we can see the magic in it all. And, you know, we can start to see the planets as like divine orchestrators of this mm -hmm. thing going on down here. I think the, I actually think the planets are like holographic projectors. Oh. I think they're like projecting this reality. Like the sun is like the big projector that illuminates all this and makes us able to see all this mm -hmm, stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I think the planets are also projecting energy, you know? So they like in traditional astrology, they talk about the rays, like um, every planet emits light, like a ray of light. Um, and you know, Saturn's and Mars's rays are a little bit more harmful where Jupiter and Venus's rays are really helpful. But like, if we think about them as they're emitting rays of light, that sounds like projection to me. That sounds like a holographic projector to me or something. You That's know? so interesting. Cause I, I was looking into the moon and mm -hmm. there's certain ancient texts that talk about the time before the moon was in the sky. Yes. And then some people have formulated theories that is the moon an artificial sort of uh, entity yeah. or spaceship that yeah. is, uh, and what is it emitting? Is it emitting uh, like a, a positive energy, a matrix-like yes. energy? Yes. I'm curious if you've if you looked into any of the Yeah, well, stuff. the moon is a mirror of the sun's light. So the moon is a reflection of the light of the sun. The moon doesn't have light of its own. But I actually read something that said um, the moon... The reason why we get so emotional with it is because the moon was the first world that human beings destroyed. And so the moon was put in orbit around Earth to be a reminder to us of our destructive tendencies. So that it was like the first mother, it was like the first Earth. And that we grieve and we mourn and we get all emotional with the moon because our soul remembers what we did. So like, was it was alive at some point or like yeah, a, a like planet? Yeah, it was like an Earth, it was like a planet. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then we destroyed it, you know? They say that we've done this with Venus, we've done this with Mars, like, 
human beings, like they keep giving us another chance. If we just mess it up, we're just, you know, destroying planets. Like, you know, so yeah. So that's one of the things that I read, but I do think like the moon is responsible for gathering the energy of all the planets in the sun. And then it projects its energy onto earth. So the moon is like a satellite, like it's responsible for projecting energy of the planets, like, like the the planets send all the energy to the moon and the moon bounces it off and reflects it to earth. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like, uh, the bridge between the divine and the celestial energy wise and like the mundane and, and here on, that's why it's so close to us. You know, we love the moon just like we love our moms, you know, mom mm -hmm. is like <laughs> hard for us to let go of mom. Many of us, right. Because we're so close to the moon, literally, like, you know? Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely something very magical and mystical about the moon and the moon and the sun do a very, they, you know, they, they do a dance. Mm -hmm. Like it's so weird, even though, you know, the moon is so small and the sun is so big, like from our perception, they look about the same size. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. It's weird. The and like, distance is so exact that we get these eclipses that are almost perfectly aligned. aligned. Yeah. Like there's divine perfection in in the numbers, even. When you even like look at the astrological numbers and you know how many earths fit into the sun and how many moons fit into the earth. There's like these perfect numbers, these weird divine numbers that show up, you know? So there's definitely meaning and purpose and intention behind it, I think. And the more that we just create that awareness and we start to perceive these things and open ourselves up to that truth, the more that the truth and the divine reveals itself to us, hmm. you know? Like, if we have to be willing to see, though. We have to be willing to be open and receptive to it. And we got to, like, do the work to connect the dots. Yeah, It's not easy. It's like, you know, the universe, you know, like, God likes to hide. Like, God doesn't like to show. It's like... It's, it's even like, I just got this like download of like, I'm only going to show those that are worthy. Mm. I'm only going to show those that are, they're willing to see, mm -hmm. you know, like, and so I don't think that everyone is entitled to the wisdom and the knowledge. I don't think that everyone's entitled to the truth, mm. you know? Um, it's even said like, you know, in ancient Hindu texts, like if someone can't find their birth time, it's because they're not meant to find their birth time if they're not meant to look at their chart oh interesting like they don't deserve it they don't deserve the wisdom and the knowledge not everybody's entitled to it you know is there i'm always curious is there any um problems sharing your signs like that other people know your all three signs and your astrological stuff i i don't think uh, it's kind of hard with that one it's like i do think that like to a certain extent our charts can be I don't think people can manipulate us through our charts, though. I think people can know us and they can understand us and they can see things about us that we do want to hide within our charts. But I don't think that people can, like, manipulate us, like, through our charts, you know? Like, they can have a certain level of awareness, though, of how you operate. Which so, could be helpful for both parties. For both parties, yeah. But, and I mean, I guess you can say that people can manipulate. There's a lot of people that, there's even astrologers that don't tell people their birth chart. They don't let people in. Like there's, you know, they don't let people see their charts and stuff. You know what oh, I mean? They are, they're doing astrology, but they don't want anyone to know yes. their charts. Yeah, because they know the power of astrology. Mm. They know the power of mm -hmm. knowing someone's birth chart, of being able to see things for them, being able to like understand transits that they're going through. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of power behind that. That's why I don't think not everyone is meant to practice <laughs> the mm. cult or astrology and things because there can also be, and we see this, 
even with magic, even with spell work, like witchcraft and stuff, the abuse of it, like mm. the abuse, like trying to manipulate people's free will, like trying to cast spells on people and force them to fall in love with you and shit like that. Like that's, that's a big no, no, like that's not what the magic is for, but people do it mm -hmm. and it works. It really does, it, but it always backfires. It never shows up as it's meant to show up. It's like pet cemetery. It's like you could bring the dead back, right? Or but when it comes, when they come back, it goes against the laws of nature. It's not going to come back the way you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. It's not going to come back. They're not like it's going to come back as a zombie, like as a monster that's going to try to eat you, right? Like, so I think there's, I do think that there's certain universal laws and even like morals and ethics, yes, like that we're supposed to adhere to. And we go against that, no matter what it is, with money, you know, with desire, with magic, with whatever it may be, like we set ourselves up for more karma. Like we are, we're, we're deepening the karmic load. You know what I mean? Like yes. we're going against the divine plan in some way, and we're going against like righteousness and truth and integrity and all the good stuff, you know? So can astrology be used for bad? Yes. Are there people that use astrology for bad that are really famous and have a lot of money? Yes. Um, is astrology bad in of itself? No, because it's just a tool. Mm -hmm. It's all about the intention and how people use it. You yeah. Know what I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, like I won't be surprised if you don't tell people your chart though. <laughs> I throw my chart online. I show people my chart all the time. Cause I'm like, y'all ain't going to get it anyways. <laughs> so there's, there's two instincts in me. One is to not share. Yeah. But then there's the flip side of Oh, but am I meant to open up more to people? Yeah. And to get more comfortable with that, in yeah. which case I should share. <laughs> it's yeah. like always the share because it might be part of the karmic path to become more open. Yeah. Versus no, I know that not all knowledge. But it's is all shared. about you gotta develop discernment. It's the discernment, yeah. With yeah, who yeah, can yeah. you share with? Who yes. can you trust? You yeah. know, if someone is proven to you and showing you that they're worthy of being trustworthy, like open up to them and share with them. You know what I mean? If someone has showed you that they're inconsistent and they're not dependable or they gossip about other people and they're always revealing people, don't tell them anything. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I, I know not to tell my dad anything because the man is a gossiper. Like, mm. he, just like my grandma, I wouldn't tell my grandma anything either because, you know, they do not know how to keep silent. They don't know how to keep people's secrets. You know what I mean? And Scorpio is really good at people at keeping people secrets. Actually, Scorpio is the vault of secrets. Like Scorpio <laughs> has dirt on people all the time. And like they know the value of those secrets and they're not going to go ahead and share that with anyone unless there's, you know, they want to do a power play, unless there's something that they're going to get out of it. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, like, do I know a lot? Do I know things about people that nobody else on this earth knows? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like me, you and God, like right. we're the only ones that know. <laughs> and it's okay with that. That's fine. But, you know, I'm all, I also have a lot of integrity and I know the value of information and knowledge. And if someone else were to ask me, oh, did this person get a reading with you? I'd be like, nope, I have no idea who they are. I've never seen them because it's privacy. Right. Privacy is very important. Privacy has a value too. You know what I mean? And privacy is protection. That's why I always tell people, even when you're manifesting things and working on things and it's in their it's baby form. Yes. Don't yeah. share it with haters. Don't share it with people that are pessimistic or negative because they're going to cast negative energy on it and it's going to block you. It can block you. It can delay it. Mm -hmm. Right. It can create a lot of hardship around that manifestation. So. I think of it like a seed just yeah. dating and, and you you're watering it, but you're not meant to dig it up and show people and talk not, about yes. it until it sprouts, until, until it's, it's sprouts. so obvious. Yes. That 
it, you can't not not share it. Yeah, because it's it's like a baby. Yes. It's like it's vulnerable. It's sensitive. Like it needs to be protected. It needs to be guarded. Keep it at home. Yeah. You know, grow it in your own time. And then when it's ready, when it's already come forth, when it can fend for itself, mm-hmm. then you can kind of like, you know, share it with the world. But just use discernment with who you're sharing it with. Like, you know, people, um, there's like a multiplication fast, uh, multiplication factor with manifestation too. Like the more that people want that for you, the quicker it's going to happen. Oh. Like you, the more that people are invested in the idea and the vision, the quicker it happens. Like this has been proven. That's that, so like, interesting. Yeah. That that's... explains why when people are on a mission and other people are resonating with the mission, even if they're not directly helping the mission, but they're like yeah. cheering you on. Yes. And it probably makes a huge it difference. It makes a huge difference. It makes it happen so much faster. Wow. Because you're getting their energetic investment into your manifestation. Oh, like, wow, that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's like you want people to buy into your vision. and But if you have like a whole bunch of people that are like haters and telling you no, it's going to be a little bit more resistant. You know, it's going to be a little harder because they, there's negative energy being cast towards it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, like just, we got to use discernment with who we open up to, what we share with other people. And like, um, a lot of times you got to keep it to ourselves. Honestly, it's better to keep it to yourself until it's actually grown or manifest. Let the, let the result, let the manifestation itself, when it comes to let that be a testament of, yes. you know, of, of it. Let like, it speak for itself. Let it speak for itself. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was, that was Perfect. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast and such a great conversation. And thank you for your time and your openness and just sharing all your wisdom. Of course. Is there something you'd like people to know about astrology or just your work in general or something that we haven't mentioned that you'd love to bring up as yeah. a final sort of advice to people? I would say don't be afraid don't project fear onto the occult or onto astrology or onto tarot or onto mysticism. A lot of people, because of the stigma of like the church and like, you know, like just the way it's been perceived, like a lot of people are very afraid of getting a reading because they don't want to like, you know, know things that <laughs> they don't want to like, oh, you know, I don't want to know when I'm going to die. I don't want to like, no, it's not. Even I have this resistance too. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I don't want them to say something negative that's going to impact my subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like, and sometimes people go to readers that are, they shouldn't go to. Right. Right. Like use discernment with who you go to. Go, you know, only go to readers or astrologers or whatever that are from a trusted source that you resonate with. Like, use discernment. Don't let anyone just read your chart. Don't let anyone just pull cards for you. Like, you know, you're letting people into your psychic spiritual space mm-hmm. when you get a reading. Mm-hmm. And that person has to be trustworthy and have integrity. There's a lot of times people will go to a reader and, and you know, this is because I've been doing this for a while. And that person told them, oh, you're never going to have a baby. Oh, you're never going to get married. Oh, you're never, you're always going to be poor. Is there an ethics component to that of not telling people something like that, even if you somehow think it's true? That's all projection, though. That's projection. That's because that person hasn't done the inner work within Mm -hmm. themselves because Mm -hmm. they wouldn't say those things to people if they were actually in alignment because that's damaging. That's not, it's, you know, giving people these fatalistic judgments it's unhelpful it's not helpful that's like that person it's usually and it's usually like 
because of jealousy and envy. It's usually because that person is not even in alignment with their spirit or with God or the divine. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of spiritual occult practitioners that don't have a relationship with God or spirit. Mm -hmm. And you can see it because their morals and their ethics are off. They scam people. They deceive people, right? So go to a trusted source. It's always best to get a referral, in my opinion. Right. Do your research on people. Lean into their energy. Like, okay, what does this person give me? And then a lot of times the way people present themselves is not actually who they are. So just because they have a million followers, just because they have like a big following, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a great reader. You know, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to give you a good reading. Like I've gone, I've gone to readings or I've gotten readings from people where I paid a lot of money and I thought they were going to, I was like, oh my God, this person's great. And I was like, that's, uh, I could have did this. I could have done this myself. I didn't, uh, I could have, I could have had an amateur give me a reading and it would have been better than this, you know? So it's like what you see on the surface is not also, it's not always who that person is or translates into their level of talent or connection or anything like that. Um, but yeah, going back to my, what I was really saying, like, don't project fear onto the occult, onto tarot. Don't allow fear to stop you from getting a reading. If your heart and your soul is telling you, okay, it's time for me to look into this stuff. It's time for me to like, you know, investigate the stuff to maybe even develop the gift or the talent, you know, like, don't be afraid of this stuff. Like so many times we allow fear to block us from the spiritual, from the occult, from the magical stuff, because it is unknown and unseen. It is you know, intangible, there's a part of having a trust in what is what you cannot see, you know, mm -hmm. what is beyond you. And that's part of the test as well. That's the same way God works. Like, okay, we, we got to believe in something that we cannot see, right? Like, so, like, it's all about faith. It's all about faith in the unknown and the unseen. And, you know, the universe is going to send you people, it's going to give you the wisdom and knowledge exactly when you're meant to receive it, how you're meant to receive it, you know? But yeah, like, don't be afraid is what I would tell you. Don't be afraid of astrology. Don't be afraid of tarot and the occult. Like, don't be afraid of these things because these things are here as tools to help us like free ourselves, to help us be empowered, to clarify our direction and things like that, you know? So no fear, no fear, no fear. Love like that. that's my big, that's my big final message, I guess. Love it. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. And uh, where can people find you if they want to vibe with you? So yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's primarily where like all my work is on Instagram because I just doing all the other things is just too much for me right now. <laughs> so yeah, you can find me um, at the soul sage. Um, I do have a link tree there where you can like book an appointment with me. If you do want to book an appointment and schedule a reading, um, I'm like a full-time reader. Like this is what I do. I do four or five readings a day. And I'm doing miracles every day. Everyone that gets a reading, they're like, oh my God, they're so mind blown, you know, because the way I practice astrology is I mix it with intuition. And um, and I'm really like, I, I want to help people. I just want to be a service. I want to heal people. My intention is always to get people in alignment with their higher path and their higher calling in whatever way. And I'm going to be honest with people as well. Like, I'm very honest. I'm very like, okay, this is what I see. This is not, this person's not for you. This path is not for you. Maybe it's time to redirect, you know, and things like that. So, you know, um, don't come to me if you're looking for entertainment value, please. <laughs> okay. Like I'm not a, like I'm entertaining. Yes. But I, when it comes to my work, I'm very, very serious. I take it very, very serious. Sometimes people show up and like, oh my God, like, 
And that to me is like, <laughs> no, like this is serious. It's not me. sacred. Yeah. They don't they see it as an, an, oh, let me just get a reading. No, like this is serious for me. So don't like, you know, sometimes people show up in that capacity and it can be, you know, it's cool though. Like, you know, teach their own and stuff. But yeah, I, this is very, very important to me. It's very meaningful for me. I'm very passionate about this. And like, I just ask people to be very respectful of other spiritual practitioners, of other astrologers and stuff, because they, you know, they put so much love and passion. They've, a lot of them have made it their life's work. And for people to just come and like discredit it and be like, oh, like this is something woo woo or this is something, you know, like it's just entertaining. It's like it can be a little insulting sometimes. It can be a little like, what the heck? You know what I mean? Like this is real for me, you know? So um, come to it with with the intention of it's sacred, it's magical mm. and be respectful right in yes. the way we interact with it you know we gotta be respectful and things like that so but yeah you can find me at the soul sage um and you know I'm, i post content i go live regularly i'm always doing lives um so you can tap in with me that way i mean you can also subscribe to me on there so i, I do have a little um, community of subscribers that i do like you know i go live and i do readings for them and things like that so um, but yeah, if you have any questions, you know, they can always email me. You can text me. I don't think I have my number on there anyway. Actually, don't text me. <laughs> you can always email me, okay, or DM me. And I, I'm very, very open with my um, with my DMs and stuff. I, I respond to pretty much everybody. So Don't text Louie, people. Don't text me, though. Unless just you, DMs. Unless everybody did your, did your reading, <laughs> you have my number. Okay, that's different. But, like, just don't text me, okay? <laughs> but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, this has been so fun. You're amazing. And I'm really excited to see what you're going to be doing as well um, with what's to come for you so um, thank you for bringing me on thank you for having me i appreciate it thank you it was a beautiful conversation i learned so much and just your fun energy just brings like a delight to the conversation so yeah. thank you so much yeah. for those listening at home please subscribe on spotify apple and youtube and if you enjoy this episode send louis a message of appreciation and uh, if you have any feedback for me Go to jameszander.com. You can reach me there and find the newsletter, the podcast, and all the details. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, so if you're still listening and you've made it this far, I want to thank you personally. You are one of the OGs, the true fans of the podcast. Not many people listen to the end, so if you've actually made it this far, I don't take that for granted. I appreciate you so much. And I invite you to reach out to me personally. I'd love to hear what episodes you most enjoyed, what type of topics and what type of guests you'd love to see in the future. Feel free to message me on Instagram or you can email me if you sign up to my newsletter and just hit reply to the welcome email. I'll be sure to read it. Now, if you have a moment to rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify, that would help me out so much. I super appreciate that. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast on YouTube, please do me a favor and go to youtube.com slash at James Zander trip. I'm trying to get to 1000 subscribers. So every subscriber counts. One last thing. I have another podcast where I do solo episodes, mostly about psychedelics, but I also share life lessons and all sorts of insights. So if you search for The Microdose, you can find my second podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, I just launched a mindset course called Unlock God Mode. 
So in the next audio, you'll hear more details about my course. If you're not interested, feel free to skip to the next episode. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It means the world to me. Feel free to share this episode with a friend that you think might enjoy it, and I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy my brand new audio course, Unlock God Mode. Unlock God Mode is a four-week experience where every day you'll get a 15-minute audio lesson that gives you frameworks, tools, and perspectives to upgrade your relationship with life. In the same way that mushrooms give you insights that help you up-level in the video game of life, I designed this course to do the same thing for you. I've compiled every lesson that I learned through psychedelics, through meditation, through my spiritual work, through life. I've put my best tools in this course so that no matter who you are, if you choose to go on this adventure with me, you're going to learn some amazing frameworks. You're going to learn to see life with new eyes. You will improve your relationship with life. And by extension, your life will improve. If you're interested in more details, go to jameszander.com slash godmode or use the link in the show notes. Use the promo code SHROOMS for a special discount. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I deeply appreciate you. Feel free to reach out to me through my newsletter. Go to jameszander.com to sign up. I'd love to connect. This episode is sponsored by magicmush.ca. If you're looking for an online dispensary for magic mushrooms, mushroom chocolate, and other high-quality psychedelic products, head over to magicmush.ca and use the promo code JAMES to get 25% off. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful trip.